Welcome to the Wheel of Time podcast, where the lore hounds your guides to Randland. I'm David. I'm John, and this is our coverage of the Amazon Prime fantasy series, The Wheel of Time. In this podcast, we're going to do a scene-by-scene breakdown of Season 2, Episode 4, Daughter of the Night. Be sure to stick around to the end of the podcast for programming notes about our September podcasting schedule, followed by our White Tower segment, where Alicia Sadai and I deep dive into the lore of the books. For early and ad-free episodes and exclusive content, visit us at patreon.com slash the lorehounds. Also, we'd love to ask if you're enjoying what we do, consider leaving us a rating and review. Apple Podcast is the best place as it helps us to raise our profile, even as far as the Aiel Waste. Special for the Wheel of Time, we have a new feed set up just for this show. So if you're interested in just Wheel of Time content, you can subscribe to that channel. Our main feed has all of our content, and you can find that by searching for the Lorehounds on any podcast application or even Spotify or YouTube. We love to respond to your questions, thoughts, and theories on air. So send us feedback for the next episode. Uh, As a reminder, we're recording these a little bit in advance because we've got access to screeners, at least the episodes one through four. Yeah, Yeah, at least this one. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. This is the last one of that. Fingers crossed. Um, And your feed, so we might just read your feedback on on a later episode, but please do send it in. Send emails to WOT at thelorehounds.com or head to our website and use either the voicemail feature or the contact form. You can also post a message in our Discord server and we can include those messages as well. Find all those links in the show notes. David. Sir. I, am I a sir? Do I qualify for that? Are there, are there <laughs> any knights here? Are you I, a I sir like, or a oh, sir? Oh, man. We're not in Game of Thrones universe. It's all right. <laughs> it's all right. Listen, Robert Jordan will spell some things weird, but I don't think that's one of them. <laughs> anyway, knighthoods aside, what would you think of the episode? It was a packed episode. Uh, when I was doing my notes, it took me a really long time to sort of unthread all of this weaving that's going on here. Um I thought the episode did a good job of moving everything forward. You know, it's still laying out some more track. I think it still has a lot of track to lay just in the bigger arc. You know, I don't know how many uh, seasons they're going to get, you know, let alone what they want. Um, But, you know, it it moved things uh, forward. And then at the same time, you know, we, we got some resolution to this mystery that's been building about Rand and Celine. Um, but I will say there was a couple of scenes that just didn't quite do it for me, mostly on a production value standpoint. And I know not everybody is seeing or hearing what I'm hearing. So, you know, maybe I'm just having hallucinations. Maybe I'm starting to go mad. Um, but, uh, overall the episode was, there was a couple of great scenes, I think three at least that were just amazing. The dialogue, the acting was all spot on. And there was a couple of scenes that just didn't quite connect with me. So, um, so it was a little bit of a mixed bag. Um, the, yeah, I don't know. Well, I'll save my comments for, for what those good scenes are, but you okay. know, some really, really okay. great acting, um, especially with, uh, Moiraine's sister and all of that stuff, mm-hmm. some good reveals, but you know, at the same time, there's, you know, just some basic stuff like the, the, the plotting of the episode was fine. It was good. I was entertained and it was, you know, it was pretty middle of the road fair in okay. terms of setting up. Oh, you know, we get this, rev- you know, this, this uh, little mystery at the beginning. You can just guarantee that we're going to get the resolution of the end at uh, that at the end. And we know who that's going to be. And of course we have a sort of, 
it's not Deus Ex Machina, but you know this hero being saved at the last minute. You know that's all pretty you know standard TV stuff. So sure. Although yeah. I, I mean I think they set it up, and I I uh, I will say I don't think that Celine Lanfear. I'm just going to call her Lanfear from now on because that's okay. who she is. Right. But um, I don't think Lanfear was going to kill Rand there. No, that's, no, that's but I, I'm saying with yeah. Rand being rescued at the in the last moment, right? You know, right. it's like, oh, the 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 evil one is about to reveal their presence, and oh, you know, from behind, stabbed by you know the person. I liked it. You know, I had fun with that. I went, oh, man, more rain is here. <laughs> so, you know, like, yeah, it's just st- it's standard TV stuff, right? It's fine. It's all good. Right. Um, I will say that one of the things that I'm I'm happy with is, you know, with this casting and, and all of the actors that they've chosen for all the different roles, that's a real challenge in terms of lighting and costuming and making sure everybody's yep. skin tones look right. And I think they're really getting that right. The costumes are looking great. Um, so there's a lot on the production side that is is doing good. So I'm, I'm just happy to see all of these actors getting space to be able to work their craft and to be um, put in the right kinds of uh, production situations where it's working, right? And and we get to see who they are. It's really hard to light diverse skin tones on a single set. And I think they're doing that really well. I mean, one of the biggest l- landmarks, uh, uh, you know, claims to fame of the Wheel uh, of Time series in general is the ensemble cast and how well it's developed. Right. And so if you're not doing that on screen, to a lesser extent, because you obviously can't have as many characters as you can have in 14 books, but... If you're not doing that on screen to some extent, you're not capturing the Wheel of Time's essence. Right. Okay. That's good. So what about you? How are you feeling, especially as a book reader? Uh, how do you feel the season is treating you? I am liking it a lot, like a okay. lot more than last season. I am I am all in on it. The minute I saw the name of this episode, I knew who was going to be revealed in Whoa. this episode. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. So the mid-season's where we'll reveal Lanfear's identity. Okay, sounds good. Uh-huh. Um, I'm wondering, actually, here's a question I have for you up front. When did you put together that Salim was Lanfear? Oh, you, well, I'm, I, th- I think if you go back on our previous episodes, I've been theorizing that she is more than she seems from the beginning. But sure, sure. I mean, um, in the episode, what, since she was, since we introduced this concept of Lanfear in the beginning. Loosely. Oh, right away. I knew exactly Okay. okay. when, when uh, Ishmael goes into the little chamber and then, you know, she, as she's rising, rising up and they don't show her face. It's like, oh yeah, that, that it's Celine. It's, it's obvious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so then that's what yeah. I mean. It was just like, that, it's really standard TV stuff. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. And I don't want to, you know, I, I know Lanfear's a you know, beloved character and there's a lot of stuff going well, on. Well, beloved here. is, is, uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. but that's just, it was just a pretty straightforward TV mechanism, right? A, a, of a setup sure. and a reveal. So it was good. Sure. It was fine. You know, it was entertaining. I, I had no problem with it. I'm really glad that Lanfear got sort of a showcase episode. Sure. I think that this was a great way to introduce her in the show. Uh, when she's, she's, you know, she's already been there, but okay. introduce her as right. one of the Forsaken in the show, right? Uh, which is really great. Uh, we did not get to see in the books how the other Forsaken were freed. And so mm-hmm. this is a new thing for the show to see this whole ceremony of Ishmael chanting in the old tongue and uh, freeing Lanfear with a chant about her, you know, the daughter of the night. I thought that that was awesome. It was bone chilling. It was uh-huh. cool. 
Uh, it was it was some like horror kind of stuff, and it was great. I okay. really enjoyed that. The political stuff, like you said, with the Damadreds was really great. Mm-hmm. I don't think we get a, a Moraine sister in the books. I don't remember if she has one in the books, but she does have a Feel cousin, show I believe. creation. Yeah, I'm uh, guessing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but she does have a cousin in the in the books, I believe. We do know in the books it's the same thing. She was part of this noble Kyrianan family. Mm-hmm. So that's not new, but they've never developed it that much. It's more like, okay, well, she comes from a noble family, but she chose to be an Aes Sedai, and she kind of left that all behind. Okay, that's just part of the backstory. Right, right. So this was a great way to bring that back in. Cool. Good. And we knew that when they cast Rosamund Pike, they were going to highlight Marine more than they did in the books. So... Yeah, it is what it is for better or worse. We're going to get more marine <laughs> development. <laughs> well, you know, we as we start to slide into the episode breakdown and we kind of talk about our production notes, which we always like to throw out at the beginning of these episodes where like I'm the I'm totally new to all of this property. You're a, a big book fan and stuff. Um, and, you know, we just want to make sure everybody's clear on that, that, you know, for me, especially I'm coming in with only what the show is giving me. I actually started to read Michael Livingston's book. The Origins of the Wheel of Time. And mm-hmm. I read the first opening chapter bits about his life and, and times of you know Robert Jordan and how they picked uh, Brandon Sanderson and, and all that stuff. Really fascinating, interesting uh, uh, stuff. Anyway, so, but I, I can only take with what the show is giving me, right? Like this sure. is the only thing that I know. And so I'm, I'm watching it as a normal p- piece of television even though it's a very beloved storyline. But I, I thought about this today because I saw some stuff happening on on Twitter and somebody posted a, a little bit of a thread about this whole idea. Is like, you know, and they, this person who posted it was like, is a big fan. Uh, it was an obvious, it was obvious that they were a big fan of the books and they were just sort of dropping the wisdom of like, just remember everyone, you know, this is what was it? 14, I don't know, 4 million words or something of the, the total mm-hmm. of, of the thing is not going to get, you know, we're going to have to make changes yeah, to yeah. make this work on screen. And that's just the reality of it. And we've talked, you and I have talked a lot about that when we covered our, when we did our Rings of Power coverage and in a number of other things that, you know, when we go back to Tom Shippey and his whole essay on the medium and the message, and then you, I think it was you who was saying Rafe Judkins was talking about the slider between adaptation That's, and inspiration. It was Brandon Sanderson, actually. Brandon Sanderson, the, I'm sorry. Yeah, I keep the, mi- the author of the that. last three books. Right. And so, yeah, like this is an adaptation, right? And it, it right. they've it's got to work. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I've got, I keep getting the vibe of like, oh, but in the books they did this. And in the, in the books, the, the character was that. And it's like, oh, that's great. Well, and <laughs> yeah, gotta, no, I, 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 I totally agree with you that the show needs to work as its own thing if it's going to work. Yeah. I will say- I think that just like the books really benefit from a reread because you catch things you didn't catch the first time. Yeah. The show will do the same because right. they are laying down clue after clue for you mm. here on a lot of things that mm-hmm. you're just it's just impossible to pick it all up without knowing where we're going. Nice. And so I think that you will enjoy it a lot more on a rewatch after you know where we're going. Sure. Love that. And in Alicia today was even on our um, Discord posting something that a friend of hers on Twitter f- found with some detail with like a, um, a, with a I leash. apologize. Yeah, the leash. The yeah, 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 yeah. 
yeah, all of that stuff that that's great. Like, whoa, everybody was like, wow, that's a really cool detail. That's really fun. And so, yeah, by the way, Domani is pronounced the same as Domani when you say it fast. But Domani is a nationality in the Wheel of Time and Domani is the channeling slave of the the (laughs) Chin. Completely different things. Robert Jordan needs to name a little better, but it's fine. Somebody get me a, a well, I know, I know Livingston's book has it in it, but I need some sort of pronunciation Bible dictionary book. There's yeah, so many yeah. proper nouns. The, um, the books themselves actually have pronunciation guides in the back. Okay. Got it. And yeah. I'm sure there's some, a couple of companion books out there as well, right? That, yeah, yeah. That do yeah. all this kind of work. So, well, anyway, I yeah. think that's enough of initial thoughts. We should probably do our production notes quickly. Yeah. David, you've never read the books. New, just to Michael Livingston, which, by the way, our interview with him was really fun. And you should go back and listen if you haven't. Yeah, I want um, to talk to him again, especially yeah, you know, at some point yeah. when we get around to, you know, maybe maybe at the end of the season or something. That would be fun. Right. Uh, I have read all the books, most of them multiple times, some of them only once. Um, we do have screeners for episodes one through four. We're not running ahead of those. We can't now because we don't have five yet. Right. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I'm going to send Amazon an email, see if we can get some some episode five through eight going on. I know they they wrote in their materials. They get back to us later about the second half of the season. So stay tuned on release time. If it's not out next Friday, you know why. You're right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we will not be spoiling ahead of what will happen in the show with the with our book knowledge, with my book knowledge, I guess. Uh, only making comparisons with events that have already happened in the show. Yeah. But on the White Tower segment, which there will be a big spoiler warning ahead of, and you'll have a, an ad break, so you'll have a chance to get out. Then Alicia and I will go into full book spoilers, and we'll talk about like where we are, what they're seeding, how we feel about changes, etc. Great. So, David, let's get into the episode. Yeah. All right. Scene one. We open to Ishmael channeling towards a seal and chanting in the old tongue. He awakens a woman covered in blood. So my big question here is this prophecy, this uh, which I'm guessing is also what the entirety of it is on the little parchment that Moraine got in, I believe it was episode one. Um, and then that land stole yeah, and then yeah. Alana <laughs> now has read. And it's this blood feeds blood, blood calls blood, blood is, blood was, and blood shall ever be. Yep. I'm assuming that this is a big deal, this thing. Because they made a big it point is of part it. Of, um, it's part of a, uh, I think, a poem or a prophecy that was involved with Lanfear uh, in the books. Lanfear is old tongue for daughter of the night. And okay. so that's the title of the episode, is her yeah. is her you know, translated into common speech, I guess it is. And yeah, it's, it's a, <laughs> she's a, I, a fan favorite forsaken, I would say. Okay. She is a big badass. She is, it, she, she wants to be with Rand. That's why she is not quite as easy to guess the motivations of as the other forsaken. Okay. You know, the forsaken are individuals. They may work for the dark, but they're not necessarily doing it in the same way. Right. And they may have questionable loyalties to each other, you know, but sure, Lanfear, sure. Yeah. of course, wants to bring Rand, it seems, from what they were portraying on the show. It seems to say she wants to bring him towards the dark rather than killing him like some of the other Forsaken might want to. 
And we've got a lot yet to learn about Lanfear. At least I do, you know, as a, as the mm-hmm. show watcher, they have given us very little to go on other than she has the supernatural origin. She started to do some kind of magical stuff just before she was temporarily stopped mm-hmm. by Moiraine. Uh, yep. and, and obviously has some sort of regenerative restorative powers. And that's all I really know about her. Sure. She's so a 3000 year old channeler. That's one of the most powerful channelers of all time. Right. Perhaps the deadliest of the forsaken. Very scary lady. Cool. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing more of how they develop her because like I said, yeah, they've, they've given me the outlines, you know, they've given us the outlines and then that's it. I'm assuming that, that, that piece of stone remind me what it was called that uh, Moiraine was given. The heart stone. Yeah. The heart stone was this where, so this is out of time, right? So this is like a flashback. Um, What do you mean? Oh yes. Yes. The, uh, the opening scene. Yes. Yeah. That's a flashback. Yeah, so it has to be because you know she's got to be able then to get right to wherever right. she's you know to to meet up. She's got to open up it in. She's got to get rent. Yes, exactly. Yeah. She's got to file. Her, we got to make you know, rand fear happen. You know, right? <laughs> so I'm. Is this where the Heartstone then came from that was broken? And um, you know, this, I, I think that's notes? what they're telling us. Okay. Yes, because this is in Kyrian. We know it was found just outside Kyrian right. by the Moon Gate. Alicia pointed out. Okay, daughter of the night, the Moon Gate. There you go. Right. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Okay, good. All right. Just making sure I'm putting the pieces together in my head correctly. Right. Yeah. I, I like this. I like the way that they revealed Lanfear. I was I was really trying to not hint that she's evil throughout the first three episodes <laughs> because I wanted to see your reactions genuinely. But right. every time she did something, I was like, oh, man, Rand, you are just playing with fire here. <laughs> Literally. So I'm loving the introduction of Lanfear. Let's go elsewhere in Kyrian, though. Uh, Lady Anver, how are we saying this? Uh, Anvar? Anver? Anver? I'm going to say Anver, right in. (laughs) Lady Anver Damadred puts her appearance together with a copious amount of de-aging techniques. As she has her morning wine, her older sister, Moraine, comes for a visit. Moraine quickly makes herself at home before her sister snaps at her, leading Moraine to leave for a meeting. I love this scene. This was a really great. Lindsay Duncan is an amazing actor. She brings great, so much yeah. gravitas to the screen. And it, it was really, she adds a lot to this, this production. I'm, I'm really happy. She to does. See her. And I really like that the person, the random noble that we had in the last episode with Fran yeah. <laughs> was actually Moraine's sister the whole time. Perfect. And she's doing what she's, she does, right? She's uh, stitching up all the intel. Oh, new people on the scene. Let me right, you know, saddle right. up to them. Let me use my- It, it was very charms. natural for her to cozy up to Rand there. Like it doesn't, mm-hmm. doesn't feel like a forced connection. This is, this is her right. working and he just happens to be there. I have to say this whole setup scene with her getting ready and, you know, having a little recline and, uh, you know, setting up for the day, I I got lost for a second and I thought we were watching some sort of period drama on Hulu or (laughs) Netflix or something, you know, some other channel. Like I was, you know, I was suddenly transported into a type of pride and prejudice land. I was like, (laughs) and then, and then Moiraine shows up and I'm like, oh yeah, sorry, I'm I'm back in Wheel of Time. (laughs) You know what I think that the point of that routine was though, Mm -hmm. was she spent about two minutes of screen time putting on creams and ointments to 
de-age her face to really right. look younger. Right. And then her sister walks in. Her older sister comes in looking 20 years younger than her. Oh, I didn't catch that. And that's, that's just a, good... a slap in the face. Right. And well, as an Aes Sedai and, and a Chandler, right, her, her lifespan is- Yes. We so know she ages a lot slower. Just, right. That's really good. I yeah. do have to say, you know, little sister, well, you're looking well, little sister. That just- that that's so talk, you know. Yeah, it's like, condescending. It's yep. very con- that's the word I was looking for. Condescending. And Moiraine is obviously on a mission because she's figured out it's um Landfear who is out here, right? So she's she's got a hustle. Mm-hmm. I got that. But damn if she's not treating people rough, you know? <laughs> she she's is- been she's been pretty bad to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and and to to just sort of come in. And, and yeah, just, it was just, it was hard. It was hard. It was hard to to see this, right? Her sister just wants to say, Hey, like, let's reconnect here for a little bit. How's it going? And yeah, no, she is not having that. And that was not cool. Which is awful. I mean, you're, you're going to ignore your sister and then just come in and sweep the rug out from every, everybody. I don't, I don't like that. Yeah, no, not at all. That said, really great set up for who and what and what the stakes are in here. This this is one of the scenes. And then obviously when they talk later, um, or real gems in this episode, just really excellent dialogue and the acting was fabulous and I, I really enjoyed it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. This was this was a very Game of Thronesy type. Yeah. And it was a very Game of Thronesy kind of dialogue, you know, back mm. and forth and Everybody's angry at each other for different reasons. It was great. <laughs> yeah. It was great. And they're not they're not going, well, you have been away for so long and you did this. Uh, you know, there was no exposition. All of the exposition was in their relationship. And mm-hmm. I, I the demeanor. That. Yeah. Causing calling her little sister, all those Ooh, things. That 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 line really stung. I I kind of like winced when she said it. Yep. It's really bad. Especially like I said, you come in looking 20 years younger than your sister who just spent her morning putting on eye cream. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not a great look, Moraine. No, be better. No. All right, let's move on to Rand cleaning up the wreckage of Celine's inn. She says it'll take a week to repair the floor and invites Rand on a we- on a getaway to a <laughs> vacation cabin. Rand refuses, but Celine turns on the charm. So, John, um, I, I kind of want to know when did Rand become Roy Kent? <laughs> He was, he's been Roy Kent since season one. He's, All right, he's just, always been this kind of broody boy. But his voice is even, maybe it was the fire. Maybe it was the inhalation of the smoke that really, it's really got him raspy now. <laughs> so. I, I will say that I know that when they had Josh Ostradowski in uh, audition for Rand, they mm-hmm. asked him to be Rand at the beginning of the series and Rand at the end of the series okay. before they gave him the part. And so I'm hoping that he plans to change dramatically throughout the series. Okay. I know you and I had some discourse on Discord. Yes. And with Alicia. Yeah. And we were discussing this sort of mopey rand. Yeah. This sort of, I've got to do my duty rand. Right. And I'm going to withhold my emotions and not say anything. And I'm going to cause drama by my withholding. Sure. And just look off into the distance, you know, uh, uh, broodingly. Right. Here's how I see it. Mm-hmm. You are not supposed to like Rand here. Okay. I You're don't. just not supposed to like him. <laughs> it's working. He's supposed working. to be annoying. He's okay. supposed to be this toxically masculine guy who uh-huh. refuses to be in touch with his emotions, who is just kind of kind of annoying. You know, right. he's just yeah. kind of supposed to be 
this broody teenager. He's 19 years old and he just found out he's sure. going to go crazy and possibly kill everyone he loves. Right. Wouldn't you be right. kind of broody too? Yeah, I get it. I get it. And, and it's also, this is a television show and I need you as the writers to give me a little bit more mile markers as opposed to, or, or character cornerstones that aren't just, um, other things that I've seen on other television shows and other, uh, with other sure. characters. And I don't want to pigeonhole his character into kind of a YA trope, but that is something that you see in other YA style things where people are doing this broody stuff and I get it and it's fine. And, you know, we can look at say Lan and Evo who are both two broody males, obviously older and a little bit more mature. Mm-hmm. They have an amazing conversation later that blew me away. And yep, yep. there is, um, there's movement and there's progress and there's, there's a, I can see into the, the motivations and all I'm just getting from the Rand character right now is a, it's a bit flat and one dimensional for me. And if that's the intent, it's working. Um, I, I just would like to, see a little bit more dimensionality in his thing. And, and he's like, what is he struggling with? What is he worried about? Yeah. He's afraid of going insane. Yeah. He's afraid of killing everybody. Right. It's just right. not catching for me, uh, uh, perfectly well enough. So, yeah. And, and that's one of the struggles of having a TV show is I can't, you can't see inside their head and no. you have, you have those thoughts in Rand as he's in the books. Right. And you, and that's the job of the writer is to, to, to create right. the circumstances right. and the scenes where I can, I can get it. Like I got into Land's head. So, you know, we've got two other very broody men, Ivan and, and Lan, right. Who we get into their heads in an amazing conversation that it's amazing dialogue. And I'd never thought that I'd get into Ivan's head. Right. Uh, sure. Yeah. And, and they give me that dimensionality with just a few lines and just a, a little bit of interaction. And so whenever Matt talks about his feelings, it, it is, yeah, you know, it is, it is just, it is very 19 year old, I guess. And I don't mean to, <laughs> I, I don't want to get into a lot of trouble here about uh, this and that, but it, it, yeah, they're just not giving me the depth that I feel like uh, would, would help me understand his character a little bit more. It's just, it's reading yeah. very flat for me. I mean, I, the way I read it is he is hurting the people around him with the way he acts. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he made his friends think he was dead. Right. He's kind of neglecting his duties as the Dragon Reborn of training to become the one who could beat the Dark One. Right. Figuring out how to channel and fight and, yeah, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Although there is debate over how much he knows because Moraine is kind of being a jerk about telling people and withholding information. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but... Really, it's, the biggest thing is his biggest influence is one of the Forsaken right now who only wants to encourage the darkness in him. Right. You know, wants to encourage the brooding, wants to encourage the self-pity and the anger and the frustration and the hatred instead of encouraging him to break through that. And one of the central struggles of the series for Rand is, can I break through self-pity? Can I break through this emotional barrier Mm-hmm. Can I break through what I've been taught, which is focus on your duty and not emotion and realize that emotion is part of the solution. You know, being, <laughs> being in touch with yourself, being in touch with your emotions is a big part of the solution. I just got a big insight into your <laughs> your attitudes about the Jedi Council. <laughs> yeah, well, 
I could talk about the Jedi Council being full of shit all day. Right, but, but this is it, right? Because this is rather than right. being detached and or you know choosing this different path, it's actually embracing and and trying to create right. a wholeness for yourself. And you know, if that's what you're telling me is a major part of the Rand character in the books and that they're trying to adapt for the screen, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So I, I think that's what they're doing is they're showing us Mopey Rand so that we can get dope Rand later, you know? I, I really hope they can. And that's what I want. And I think I said this when we, you and me and Alicia were talking is cool. And then I'll be, I'll, I'll be interested to see, can it, is a character going to grow over the course of seasons or are they just going to be locked in the, is the same? Cause most 24, 25, 28 episode shows, right. Where you just got, you know, a variety of characters and they're, they're locked in as who they are and they kind of go through different circumstances and they just sort of repeat that over and over again. And really what I, I'm, you know, what I would love to see for this show. And I assume this is what they're going to do is we're going to see character growth. We're going to see the development. Mm -hmm. We're going to see, you know, as we achieve new levels and understandings and different things happen, our characters are going to expand and, and the actors are going to fulfill. We're going to fill those spaces with, with their craft and showing us that. And I just feel like maybe the dialogue is a little bit weak for Rand right now. If they do not translate the character development of all of the major characters yes. to screen, they will have failed to adapt the, the source material. <laughs> okay. Like full stop. They will have okay. failed to adapt it because the character development is, is the, the story. crowning achievement of the Wheel of Time. It Understood. is it is seriously probably the best character development I've ever seen. It is the thing that it does the best over Lord of the Rings. You know, there's okay. not a lot of character development in Lord of the Rings. No, but the not Wheel really. Of time, especially the books. Like Aragorn does not develop in the books. He's the same person the whole time. Right. But he just puts on a – he gets to clean up and wear a, a crown instead sure. of uh, hanging out sure. in the shadows. Right. But he still was like, I'm ready to be king. I'm just waiting yeah. for the right moment. It wasn't like, I don't know if I can do this. He, mm. You know, he even – they added a brooding for him in the movie they that did. was not in the books. Because um, you need that arc. You need some kind of character development arc on screen. And right. so we're getting that with Rand now. The thing is, instead of being in a in nine hours of movie, we're getting this over eight seasons which mm-hmm. is, I think, their run t- runway for this which okay. that they want to do. So we're in season two. We're halfway through season two. I think it's okay for to still be in Brooding Rand stage. Let's hope it doesn't go on for more than another season or two. Yeah, I would really like to see even in this season to some some movement. So Sure, sure, yeah. All right, well, that's enough complaining about Rand. <laughs> we, got, we, got, we dug into that. We've covered that base now. That's cool. <laughs> we can All move right. on. Egwene pays Nynaeve a wellness check just to find her cold and distant. Egwene reassures her that her experiences weren't real. This was a sad scene to watch. Mm. Yeah, not the right way to help your friend, right? <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it does sort of uh, delegitimize their trauma. Yeah, it's in and it's sort of you projecting on them how they should feel as opposed to asking questions. Hey, I see you're hurting. What's going on? Or mm-hmm. oh, you you know that th- that must have been an extremely painful uh, you know experience in the thing. I'm here for you. What can I do for you? As opposed to oh, just remember it wasn't real, <laughs> right? Like oh, don't damn, don't worry. <laughs> I've I've cured your 
Rand, I've cured your madness because your delusions aren't real. <laughs> right. And now that you know that, you can you can really get past it. Never mind that, you know, uh, she spent a lifetime in there, raised a child in there, you know, <laughs> it was right. very real for her, Yeah, you know, and oh, you know, my, my lived experience in there doesn't mean something emotionally to me that, and I get it. I mean, I, I know she's trying to be a friend and she's, she's trying to be there for her and, and all of that kind of stuff. And yeah, it, and, and of course, Elaine does all of this so much better. <laughs> Right. Right. She's a, she's a much more her, you know, uh, uh, her emotional awareness and trade, you know, she can uh, politic. That's the thing. Very, very well. Politic. Right. Where, you know, these two young women are, they're just like, they're dealing in a world of, they're doing stuff that they never thought that they'd be dealing with, you know, uh, um, you know, just a scant few months ago, I Mm -hmm. guess in the showtime. Right. Yeah. Like their world has been turned upside down. So yeah, and it it has, and their fr- they lost their friends supposedly in their minds, right. or two friends right. really, because they don't know where Matt is. And uh, now they have you know later in the episode they find out Perrin might be in trouble, and it's just a whole big mess. They've they've yeah. had and a, a big Gwen emotional feels turmoil. Guilt, yeah, and so she's trying yeah. to yeah fix something when it's like no, you can't fix it. You can just be there for somebody and right ask questions and listen. She's right? a big fixer. That's yes. that's a big part of her character. Oh, that's interesting. A good way to okay. put it. All right. Well, see there. You know, th- it's working for me. Then there, what they're showing me is is that that's great. I I see an insight into her character development. So again, she's what nineteen. I yeah. mean, it, it's. I think I think they may have said that they aged these characters up a little bit for the show, but I don't recall. Sure. But if they did, they're like what twenty one. It's not like mm-hmm. they're forty. <laughs> it's right. not. It's not. It's not a dramatic shift, is what I'm saying. Right. Uh, a couple of notes that it was great to circling shot down over the tower. You really get to see the scale and the complexity of the white tower. So that yep. was nice visually. Yep. And then is it, am I correct when I saw the scene when, you know, part of the part of the scene where she stops to put on her ring that there's no stone or color in the ring? I don't recall things about getting a, a stone for your ring in the books. I think they might have add, added this for the show, maybe to match the Aja. Okay. Yeah. Which is cool. I mean, I think it looks cool. Yeah. Like you, she's, she's accepted, right? She's not, uh, right. she's not chosen a, an Aja yet. Right. So mm-hmm. why would she have a color? And then I don't know if you noticed on her sleeve of her costume, uh-huh. there is a multicolored wave pattern. Yep. That, that is from the books. The, uh, the okay. multicolored, uh, you know, garb for the accepted because they're they're of all ages until they exactly pick them. beautiful and a really nice subtle way to in the costuming for the show to show us that uh, subtly without you know hitting us over the head with it. It was really and it was beautifully done and it just looked so refined and it was just a beautiful aesthetic. I, I really appreciated all of that. Agreed. Yeah, the costuming is looking really great this season, especially compared yeah. to last season. And uh, she's got a big fancy room now. <laughs> no more. She does. She does. A, she's in the accepted quarters. a spacious pad. Much better than the novice quarters. I'll say that. <laughs> All right. Let's move to the next scene. Lan watches Alana's warders play spar with the local children of a peaceful village, which I think you've dubbed a tropey, idyllic village. <laughs> and to watch, I would say is, what, the, what else do you want? Anyway, Alana <laughs> visits Lan. Well, he relieves himself by a tree while Lan jests about 
everyone always checking in on him. Alana cuts through the nonsense and asks Lan to return with them to the White Tower, baiting him with the possibility of bonding to Nynaeve. Alana talks to Lan about a younger Moraine before she met Lan. Yeah, sorry, the idyllic village trope. It is a little tropey thing. Lots of there in the Mandalorian there was an idyllic village in a in Foundation. There was a bit of a culty idyllic village, but it was still an idyllic village. You know, everybody's harvesting and happy and kids are playing and you know, it's all lovely and you know, you know why we use tropes, David? Because they work. Because they work. <laughs> so, sorry. You, you, you don't to. want everything to be a subversion. You know, it's exhausting. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's absolutely exhausting. Sometimes you need a Rivendell. Sometimes you need this village. Fair Sometimes enough. you need a Shire. You know, it's it's just it it's nice to have a little break from the action. So is this a post breakup long hair phase land here? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and a cu- curious, this was a very definitely an olive orchard uh, village. Those are those are olive trees, and they had baskets of olives at one point. Is there any significance story wise to that, or is this just? A- I don't recall anything okay. of that. Of There's that. nothing. Maybe maybe they're about. green olives. Are they green? They were green. They okay. Were green green. Aja, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. With Alana, I think that's a stretch. But anyway, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, nice and it, you know, great, great onset location. The the scouting folks found a good spot, old village, stone, middle of an orchard. So yeah, it all and it was nice that they were there physically. Like I, I really do appreciate as much mm-hmm. practical set as as is practical, right? You know, you can't right. do it for everything, and so yeah, you, you nice. can't do practical channeling. But <laughs> it's uh, yeah, I, I agree. They are doing a good job of using them where possible, right? Uh, Priyanka Bose, who mm-hmm. is playing Alana Sedai. I don't know what it is about her. She simultaneously uh, pulls me in and bounces me out, but not bounces me out in a bad way, but bounces me out in a, wow, who is this person kind of way? She's just got these sly looks on her faces and she has this physicality and a movement that intrigues me as like, wow, what is this actor doing? Where have they been before? This is, you know, like her acting is taking me out of the verisimilitude of her character simultaneously mm. with like getting me invested in her character. So it's great. I, I'm I'm enjoying the the strange dichotomy effect here. Yeah, I, I do like her. I like that they're developing her more in the show because she plays, I would say, a medium important role in the books, but... Her okay. character is one of the less developed, and I don't know why, because it it raises some interesting plot points. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad that he, she's added more in the show, and I'm looking forward to seeing your reactions as further events occur. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we're going to get some events, too. <laughs> yeah. By the yeah. way that they're, they're setting this stuff up here. Um, I thought it was interesting that uh, good world building here in terms of her explaining the difference between having a bond taken back mm-hmm. versus having it unexpectedly taken away because your I said I died, right? Well, like they, I, she didn't say taking it back. She didn't take it back. She masked it, right? I mean, no, I, I guess she did say take it back, sure. but she, she said but she take masked it back. It. She masked okay. it because she had masked it before she went to the eye of the world uh-huh. and then she got cut off from the source. So, what they're comparing it to is if an Aes Sedai dies, 
now that's been ripped away from you. And now that causes this like immense violent right. reaction. Psychic. And right. it's, it's like almost, almost a frenzy, you know, right. it's just, they, they become like inconsolable, suicidal often. It's, it's terrible. But if you're saying that she's masking it, then she's masking it right now and they're still bonded. I think the idea is she okay. masked it and then she got cut off so she can't unmask it. And because she can't touch the power, he wouldn't be able to sense her anyway. Interesting. But I okay. think the bond still would be there if she got if she came back. Right. She got repowered up. Interesting. But as far as we know right now, that's not possible. Although they're they're hinting that they're it hinting. is possible. They're hinting they're, that it's possible. Right. Uh, because they're hinting that she didn't actually get stilled. She got cut she got shielded, you know, like she they're they're temporarily cutting her off. Interesting. Okay. All right. So we'll just have to keep an eye on that. I guess mm-hmm. put a pin. The in clue that. is that Lan last episode, this is all with show stuff, so I'm not spoiling anything. Right. Lan last episode, I believe, or one of the previous episodes, said to Moraine, Well, it takes eight eyes to die to yeah. mm-hmm. cut somebody off from the source. So this doesn't make sense that you were cut off by one person. Right. Even though Ishmael is super mm-hmm. powerful. But it doesn't matter how powerful the Aes Sedai are. It still takes eight. You need exactly eight at least. Right. No, but he's a forsaken. Sure. But there, but it's, it's still, I think, I think Lan is saying there's a plot hole here. Okay. Something's wrong with this. It might not doesn't be correct. Yeah. It. As a, he might've just put a bubble around her, so to speak, rather than right. actually right. Uh, changed it. Um, is this a, they're setting up a little mystery here. What happened with Moraine 20 years ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Feels like a little, you know, some drama. Well, well how old is Rand, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, we did see a flashback to 20 years before with Rand's birth. Okay. Last, you know, I, last, I, season, I think it, last season, I, rather. I, I'm really going to have to go back and watch season one because there's, there's a lot here. I, we just got to finish Foundation and get a little breather I know, so I can I know. You know, have some room. Because I think there is too much that's in season one embedded in it to not have it sort of fresh, at least for what we're doing. Like as opposed to an average person just watching the show, I think you're fine, I think. But what we're trying to do, I think I, I need to. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of callbacks, we did get mention of Cad Swain. Yes. I was going to ask you. Yeah. And Aes Sedai that was also name dropped by Elaine in a previous episode when she okay. was discussing, oh, novices who are in adjacent quarters. They're always they're always big teams. And Katsuin was one of the two Aes Sedai that she mentioned there. It kind of reminded me of the the Kessel run, right? When when Han Solo says, Oh, you know, it's this piece of lore mythology that gets dropped in a in a seemingly throwaway line in a in a scene, and suddenly, oh nope, that's a whole thing, right? And there's a whole world that gets built right. out of that one line. So Well, she's been mentioned twice, so I'll leave you to guess if she's gonna there be you go. at that some f- point. It feels like we're gonna get some more of that kind of comparison. Yeah. Uh, let's move on again to Moraine examining her childhood bedroom where she dons her blue Aja best. Uh, she visits the sanatorium and meets with Loghain, who immediately threatens her. Moraine asks if Loghain has started training Rand and offers him a dagger if he can help her find him. Loghain tells her where to find Rand, and Moraine tells Loghain if he wants the dagger, he'll have to train Rand. A lot of aim there. Mm. If... M- Loghain wants Moraine <laughs> to tell Rand to tell him where Rand is. He must train right Rand in the Loghain way. All right, I'm done now. I'm done. Okay, but uh, yeah, I, I, you know, one one of the, the minor quibbles people have with Jordan is a lot of his names 
sound very rhymey. Okay. So here they are. You're here they welcome. Are. <laughs> well, I have to say, from a television production standpoint, jumping from Alana speculating about Moraine to cutting to Moraine opening up the dollhouse and we're inside the dollhouse looking in, you know, at Moraine's face. Perfect. Really great transition. She's peering into her past self. She's looking over all of this stuff uh, that's very familiar, but almost, but at the same time feels very distant and, and, and disconnected. Uh, you know, like maybe it's another person's stuff, but how can it be somebody else's because this is my stuff. It was a really great, uh, scene to put us into her head and, and for me to get this notion that this is all very interesting, but she's got a job mm-hmm. to do and she's on a mission and I don't have time for nostalgia right now. Yep. She is. I, I think this is part of what Alana's saying too, is something happened 20 years ago that set Moraine on a mission, set mm-hmm. her on a path where she kind of lost herself in it. Was it that box of spliffs that she opened up <laughs> and was <laughs> sniffing there? I was like, well, is she going to spark one up before heading out on Maybe. the trail? She can't do it with the power right now, so <laughs> going to have to find a lighter. That's right. Uh, obviously, a rich and noble family because she's got all you know music boxes and all these kinds of you know things right. that uh, you know a lot, a lot, many folks wouldn't have access to. Right. She certainly grew up in a privileged yeah. situation. So... And for wanting to keep a low profile, she's not doing a good job of it. She's I don't think around. she did want to keep a low profile. No, she told her sister right at the beginning, like, I want to keep, I want to be on the DL here. I need my room yeah. and I got to do some stuff. And she said, I don't want to make a big profile, but she's going around. I, I think that was up. a dumb line to put in because if you take out that line, I think that it makes total sense for her to go in like, you stupid idiot, Loghain. I'm from the Aes Sedai. Who oh, I'm not talking about Loghain. Like well, when she's well, out that, doing CSI, Moraine. Sure. You know. But she also has her eyes and ears, and she needs them to feel the weight of I am Aes Sedai. Listen to me. Tell me what well, you know. When she's walking in the foregate, they certainly see that she's not. Um, yeah, she stands out. <laughs> sure. She definitely stands out. Sure. But I think people, people fear Aes Sedai in a lot of ways. Sure. And if she wants to intimidate people, which I think she does here. I think she's made a good choice in putting on this very obviously blue Aja garb. Mm-hmm. Well, then that's what I'm saying is, is that she dropped this line with her sister saying, I want to keep a low profile and she's mm-hmm. not doing that. So, right. Yeah. I think that was just kind of a, a silly line to put in mm-hmm. if you were going to do this later. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so did, I'm a little confused about the setup here with Loghain. Did Moraine have Loghain put here as a kind of bait? Great question. I think I think that's what was implied here. <laughs> that's what I was clear. getting. It was yeah. not clear, but I think you're right. It seemed very much like she knew that Loghain was here and that she, he would be some some uh, bit of a honeypot for Rand. Sure. Maybe she. Maybe that was the intent. Maybe she. You know, like you know, she put out some bait hoping that it would happen. And she, you know, she wouldn't know, right. If she's if a smart lady. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah. setting a little trap there. Um, and, uh, yeah, Loghain hates it. He's, he was a very Gollum like character for me. In this scene. <laughs> I, he hates it. He wants the dagger. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and a bit of a rough topic there, just in the sense of, I, I know what you want. And, um, 
yeah, she that's cold. That's some cold blooded action there to to uh, just just yeah. around the whole subject of what he really wants and giving it to him and withholding it from him. It's messy. It's really messy. Well, I think it's even more meaningful when you have her believing she'll never touch the power again. Right. Okay. She's basically, I think, in her head on a, you know, only kept alive by her mission. Right. Right. I think she Hmm. would feel suicidal if I think she's saying, I know what it's like to feel suicidal by because I can't touch the power. That's a good point. That's a really good point. And then and so that gives her some leverage with Loghain. I mean, he doesn't know that, but she does. Correct. Right. Because she's still pretending to that. that I I think it's just an authenticity thing. Oh, yeah. I think if if he knew that she couldn't touch the one power, he would have just grabbed that dagger and stabbed her right there. For sure. For sure. All right. Egwene complains to Elaine. A lot of aims. <laughs> Egwene complains to Elaine about her status in the tower and the coldness of Nynaeve. Nynaeve looks for Alana's warders and gets questions from the warders about her arch experience. I love her getting courted here by the warders. I hope you don't yeah. choose the red Aja because I'd like to be a warder. Yeah, I was wondering about that. <laughs> yeah, that was certainly the implication. There. There's a big setup going on here, and I don't know if we're going to see this guy again later or not. So, I don't think so. I think this was a, a, a one, one-off. one-off. He right. got paid for the day, I think. <laughs> uh, and Elaine is spot on here. You know, don't don't fix people. Just listen to them. That's that's the fixing they yes. need is is to be listened to and and to get it and to. And then if they ask for something or you can offer something, but yeah, don't, don't, don't try and fix people without their permission. <laughs> yeah. Elaine is a very good people person all around. So good. I think, you know, she has her flaws, but I, I think that she is one of the more emotionally intelligent characters in the whole yeah. story. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's a little bit of a relief, uh, given that our five main, um, uh, characters, uh, from Emmett's field are, Oh, they all need therapy. They, 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 they need to, yeah, they've, they've got some growing up yet to do. So, <laughs> yep. I was going to ask about the, the message that Landrin got. Was that about like, was that like Intel about the Western shores? Yeah. Cause later she runs in with the message. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, I was just, wasn't a hundred percent sure, but that's what I was assuming. Well, I've combined it with the next scene and here we go. Leandrin reads a troubling message, then confronts Liana Sedai, keeper of the Chronicles, about not sending anyone to help in the attacks in the West. Liana uh, asserts her authority and Leandrin responds by insinuating Liana will fall with the Amarillan seat. Ah, little little tension there. A little, little political sure is, yeah, infighting. Yeah. So yeah, so this is... Um, the Sedai that we see when uh, Egwene is doing her rounds, I believe in episode one and picking up all the glasses and the cups and uh, Leanne sort of throws this, you know, sort of in a dismissive way, her cup into the bucket kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then obviously she's in the arches scene as well. So I think this is the first time we actually. Yes. Hear her, yes. You know, or, or have some, some bigger interaction with her and understand what her position is. And I'm doing my very best to not name people, even if I can figure out who they are, until okay. the show tells me. Okay. So here we go. Here's Liana. So I see there's a question here from you about what the keeper is. And yes. They did not. They could have done a better job explaining this on the show. So I'll just mm-hmm. explain to everyone here. The keeper of the chronicles is basically the number two 
for the Amarlin seat. She okay. is, she will, as she said, sit in for the Amberlin seat when she's out of the tower if she needs to. She is everything for her. You know, she sets her meetings. She handles her agenda. She, she's really like the vice president. You know. Okay. So that's her. She is second in command to Swan. Got it. Okay. And they both usually come from the same Aja, almost always. So she's a she was a blue, and now she's of no Aja because she's second to the Amberlin. Okay. Interesting. Her jewelry, her earring jewelry is really interesting. I, I, I can't quite understand what's going on there, but it's cool as hell. So she is a Domani woman. Okay. Don't confuse with Damani. All right. <laughs> Again. <laughs> but she is a Domani woman, and that's a very interesting culture that I'm not sure they will fully adapt because it gets a little bit sexist. But anyway. Okay. Anyway, um, we'll move on from that. But her earrings did look cool. Well, uh, Jennifer Chon Garcia, I believe, is how I pronounce her middle name. But uh, Jennifer Garcia, I looked her up on IMDb a little bit. She seems to be a real badass actor. So it's very cool, cool. that they've got her in this this role. And you can really feel that underneath that she's got she's got some kick-ass powers, I think. She does. There. She does. There's a reason she ended up number two, right? Exactly. And and uh, it when Landron leaves and the music that that's in the background there to give us our emotional cue. She really sets her hooks when she says, you know, you'll, you'll fall, you'll fall when, when the seat falls. Right. Mm -hmm. And that was, it was, a, uh, yeah, that was a, a, a hard hitting line. And I mean, uh, it is true. If the Amarlin seat, you know, the few times there, there's been a recall, basically uh -huh. it has not gone well okay. <laughs> for, for the keeper either. All right, David, let's take a quick break. When we get back, we will resume the episode. And we're back. Perrin worries about the Shinarans as he walks with his new wolf mentors, Perrin is initially angry at the tracker for not warning the Shinarans of the coming attack, but the tracker begins to earn his trust by describing them as wolf brothers who can speak in images with wolves. Their wolf companion shows images of his name, which is Hopper, which I know you did not like. <laughs> I He's a beloved character from the books, Hopper. Okay, I will tread I just, lightly. I just can't take that disrespect. David. So I, I wrote that in a comment in our outline. <laughs> I will be careful. Uh, this was one of this, this scene really took me out of it. I, I actually, um, I'm not a vegetarian and yet I felt nauseous and queasy by the end of this. <laughs> the, the They're wolves, meat. right? The sound of the, the you know, the, the sound <laughs> effects that they put in there, it just was really, uh, ooh, it, it, it got it's, me. It, I think they, me. I think it did its job. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I just, yeah, I, I felt that um, the acting was a little subpar here and the dialogue, the scripting here was a little subpar and some of the production values sitting around the, the cave and stuff. Yeah, it just, it, it missed for me. And, and I don't want to be disrespectful for the story. But at the same time, from a just the overall production and delivery for me, just it just uh, it didn't work. I hear you. I will say that Perrin is not my favorite character, and I 
don't think he's a common favorite character. He's uh-huh. he has some really great moments, especially with the wolves. And yet he, I think, falls a little flat for a lot of people in his mm-hmm. development, in his in his major moments. Well, I should say outside of his major moments, he tends to fall flat for some people. OK, but I didn't mind the scene. I didn't love the effect of the images. I thought that that didn't look great. Again, it might it might look better after screeners. You know, uh, it might look better on the HD version because we have, I think, in 720p. Right, with without subtitles, and so mm-hmm. a lot of times the the final VFX aren't locked when they release screeners. Right, and, you know, yeah. sometimes they're working on these things right up, uh, pretty close to to air dates. Yeah, you know, when I when I pictured because this is a sim a similar thing that's written in the books of these flashing images is how they speak the wolves. Uh huh. And I get that, and that's that's a cool idea, yes. and a cool device. I got it. I like that. I don't know if I love the way they're doing it. I think I would have preferred what I pictured in my head, which was sort of, he sees just like a scene flash in his head, you know, Mm -hmm. like, like just quick flashes, glimpses of something that tells him what he's, he, what the wolf is thinking rather than seeing this like animation in the air. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Okay. I don't know. That's how I'm feeling. Um, Not a lot to say here. I think that I, I think we know that Perrin can talk to the wolves. That's pretty much been established. And the tracker who for some reason is still unnamed in the show is guiding him through it. I, you know, we, we get a lot of world building here in terms of, oh yeah, you've been sending us images this entire time. (laughs) We, we know all about her and we know all about your feelings all about her. Uh, So I thought that that was kind of funny uh, and interesting in in a way. And I'm glad that we're at least moving the storyline forward on what's going on with him. And we've, we're not, they're not dragging it out for another couple of episodes. They're like, no, you're a wolf brother. Mm -hmm. You're hanging with us. uh, And we're going to be teaching you what, what to, what to do. And uh, don't trust I said I, because they don't trust what they don't understand. I think that's pretty much right. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and and of course, we have this whole through line of parents' character development, which will be, I'm afraid of the wolf within me. I'm afraid of the rage within me. Uh-huh. How do I control myself and not hurt the people I love? Right. I, again, similar to Ren in that respect, but he's not going to go mad. He's just developing into something he doesn't understand. Right. And that's fine. And And, and I think that's what, a lot of these young characters are dealing with, right. Is, is becoming mm-hmm. who am I exactly. becoming? Because yeah. uh, it doesn't, doesn't there's, there's nothing that I have in my experience up into this date and time to prepare me for what I'm about to become. Right. So the next scene is Lan who reveals to Maxim who, uh, that Moraine masked their bond for six months. Maxim says he and Alana have a deal that she will mask the bond all the time unless they're in battle or bed. Maxim suggests Lan could go back to Moraine if he wanted to. This was interesting. I thought it was an interesting reveal that, um, you know, around the mechanics of the of the bond and that they're intentionally doing that. That I thought mm-hmm. that was a, a really interesting thing. I, I don't know. I, I guess it opens up a really interesting question is can land move on? Can Moraine move on? Or, you know, do, do they get back together? Are we going to have a kind of a fantasy type story where, Oh, they fall into each other's arms again at the end or is too much happened? And I think for me, dramatically speaking, I would like to see them 
you know, move on. Now I know I'm sure a lot of people are like, oh, you know, in the books and the stories or whatever. Okay, fine. You know, I'm looking at the screen and going, when you, you know, as a person, tell me a story about the the hurt that's done intentionally, unintentionally through the course of events, through circumstances in the world, the the things that we struggle with, the 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 new understandings that we develop and how we survive. And how does that play out in our relationship? And can we get back together? And and maybe we don't. And and maybe yeah. that's a more yeah. poignant story to tell. I don't know what the story is that they're going to tell. I just don't want, you know, rainbows and unicorns at the end of, of mm-hmm. Lan and Moraine's storyline. Well, Moraine never loses her power in the books. So again, right. we are in uncharted territory here. Oh, right. Okay, right. So they're, yeah, gotcha. And... They could not have them get back together, and I'd be fine with it. I think it would be nice to have them do their buddy cop routine for a while longer because uh-huh. we know we know Lan's not interested in romantically in Moraine. True, right? Right. right. He has. Yeah, we know he because she's, he's interested in Nynaeve, right? Right. So I I don't think you have to worry about that happening. I think they've okay. seeded that quite plenty that they're pushing him towards Nynaeve. Uh huh. But I would like more of the buddy cop because I do like them together as a team. Sure. And th- and I think it's just a, it's an interesting question. At what stage can they not work together because there's too much hurt? Sure, sure. Right, that's interesting dramatically. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Exploring think that because that's something that we all deal with at at some point in our life when we mm-hmm. separate from a friend or or a romantic interest or something like that. What do we do? How do we deal with that? Can it can something work? Right? Can yeah. it not work? So, and they're doing a great job of using the warders' dialogue of showing what's happening inside land. I do think that they're moving a book storyline up like they are okay. moving it to season two where it normally would be in book like six or seven. Okay. Which is fine. I think that's good. I think that they're moving some character development for land up a bit. Okay. I'll talk about that more with Alicia in the White Tower segment <laughs> because good. I just can't talk about it here. <laughs> no, no, no. It doesn't belong in this part. Yeah. Cool. Uh, one quick little detail that I appreciated was when uh, Maxim was reading the prophecy poem thing that he takes out of the bag that, you know, to have Ishmael's voice in the background uh, as sort of this little voiceover thing. I like that. So as you're reading it, this thing has power and it's giving you creeps and, you know, chills up your back. Um, and by, you know, you know, letting us know that this thing is a thing of power. And uh, so having his voice in the background, I thought was a nice little detail. Yeah, I like his creepy little voice going around this whole episode. Yeah. Yeah. So Moraine finds Celine's burned in and questions a guard about Rand's location. Celine opens up to Rand about her previous romance. She calls him the first and only man she ever loved. Of course, the previous man, not Rand. Right. Rand reciprocates with openness about his hometown and says he prefers to be away from cities. Celine tells Rand if he wants something, he has to take it. We got some more Roy Kent's going on here. <laughs> With self-pity Rand. Accept it. It's going to be around for a bit. If you <laughs> accept right. it now, you'll have a better time. Oh, all right. Give me a bowl of cereal. Somebody give me a bowl of oh, cereal. Oh, wait, you're not at that point. Stop yourself. <laughs> Put the cereal away. Um. So, Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. We just, you know, we're we're moving, we're we're advancing the plot here and 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 moving through forward. I guess it, should I 
I, I mean, I think I know who the previous guy was. I thought, you know, I was like, wait, did she have a relationship with Ishmael? But nah, it, it wasn't. It was, it was a, a previous dragon. Should I say that? Is, is that okay to speculate? It's, it? it's uh, a guess for sure. I'm I guessing. Can't, I can't say yes or no to that. <laughs> the wheel weaves is what you're supposed to say. All I know is that Rand is the reincarnation of the soul of the dragon who lived 3,000 years ago around the same time as Lanfear. Right. There you go. That's all you need to know. So I'll let you do the rest of the mental work. <laughs> do the rest of the math. <laughs> Get your red uh, your your red yarn out on your uh, your thumbtack yep. board and go to work. Yep. Which would be a super interesting thing to happen if she's pretending he's his previous incarnation. Wouldn't that wouldn't that be pretty interesting? Yep. Mm. Mm. I like your theory, David. Thank you. I like it. Uh, an interesting to visual metaphor here, Rand standing on the cliff edge, right? You know, there's this precipice, there's this something's, you know, there's a, there's a looming, there's a difference, right? It's, it's, you can interpret it differently as, as to, to how you might want, but that there's a definitive edge here. Something is about to happen. Um, that's a, a, a strong visual metaphor there. Yeah, I agree. Okay, let's move on to Matt and Min sharing a drink in a tavern where Min rebuffs his advances. She implies the innkeeper should get Matt drunk and asks for the attic room where she expects a meeting with a stranger. Yeah, not a lot. This is yep. just plot plot advancement. So, Yep, setting the stage. Let's yeah. just move right on then. Leandrin approaches Nynaeve, who's sulking by the arches. Leandrin tells her only the pain was real. A lot of sulking <laughs> with yeah. these characters. It's it's a sad it's a sad episode for sure. Yeah, ho- hopefully we can yeah we can move forward. Yep. When Nynaeve tells Leandrin about the loss of her daughter in the arches, Leandrin confides about her son, who she has kept secret for eighty or ninety years. She says men can channel uh, men who can channel are cursed by the dark, but Aes Sedai are cursed to watch the people they love pass by as they age slowly. Leandrin tells Nynaeve that there has been an invasion in the West and implies Perrin and Loyal have been captured with the Shinarans. You know, it's really interesting to have her talk about watching the people pass you by while we have mm-hmm. Moraine and her sister in the same exact episode. Yeah, right. Perfect. That's that's good, good television writing. That's good episode development. Because it feels natural for Leandrin to talk about that here, but it also yep. applies there. And this, I think this is one of my favorite scenes for the episode. Uh, like we really get into character motivations. We get backstory, we get world building stuff all in a natural dialogue, all in a, in a conversation that is believable for these two characters to be having and to feel the pain and, and, and Leandrin's, you know, um, uh, in, in her confessing and sort mm-hmm. of being authentic sort of shame. Yeah, all of it was really great. And then the shot setup was lovely. The two flames behind them, right? You know, this red Aja, uh, clearly right. somebody who is a red Aja and somebody who is toying with the idea of being a red Aja or is trying to be lured to that anyway. And she's got some flame stuff going on. So it was just really, really lovely um, sh- scene. Put the, the whole thing put together. The dialogue was fire. The three oaths bind us to speak truth to others, not ourselves. Oh my God, that line was fire. That was so good. Yeah. I was so yep. impressed. It Speak me no away. untrue word. That is the oath, not think no untrue. Right. Untruth. <laughs> or you can Lie even imply myself. untruths. So, right. yeah. yeah. So good. 
I, I love it. And yeah, the, and then the world building around longevity and how that's a, a curse at the same time. So, yeah. Yeah. Super good stuff. Uh, they they do seem to be getting a rapport here, which is yeah. why it's kind of yes. shocking later what she does. Yeah. Yes. Yes. R- absolutely. You know, when, when Nynaeve retorts with the, uh, I can see why they don't let you teach novices. Funny line. They have a little perfectly. giggle together. Yep. You know, yeah. A little chuckle. You know, and when you're having a heavy conversation with a friend or, you know, somebody, you know, and you, 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 a little humor to, to leaven the, the seriousness of what's going on. Right. Right. And, and so that felt really true. That really, that line really rung out for me as a, this is somebody, this is a real human being, not a chat GPT writing this and constructing the scene because this is, I can feel the truth of this in this moment. And I can right. feel the truth of the actors delivering this in the moment. It was great. Definitely. So, um, and then Nynaeve like, <laughs> sets her up, right? What does she do? I mean, not Nynaeve, I'm sorry, Leandrin sets her up like, oh, you know, promise me you won't act rashly, yes, but yes. You know, here's this tantalizing information that you're not going to be able it's to great. not, you know, act on. So, yeah. I think the setup was really good. Honestly. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought you, that, that was you a hooked? great way to put her in. I mean, I is this, yeah. I mean, this is like, is this, is this in the book? Is this not in the, I mean, I know you can't oh, see the, I mean, the, 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 her son is not in the book. The, okay. I, they didn't really develop a relationship between Nynaeve and Leandrin in the book. This okay. is all new stuff. Uh, the betrayal later is in the book, but they, okay. it's sort of like she goes to, she goes to them and is like, Look, your friends are in trouble. I can bring you to them. Do you want to help them or not? Okay. Uh, it's a lot more, you know, cut and it, it's a lot more cut and dry. Okay. This is I, I like this better. It's a little bit more manipulative. This is good. It was an amazing scene. Yeah. So Maxim struggles to get into meditation with Lan and Ivan. The two, the remaining two, <laughs> been there. I've been uh, there. Discuss, <laughs> the remaining two discuss being the quiet ones. Lan recites Moraine's dig at them not being equals, and Yvonne says, of course they aren't. He says their job is to remind them they are not gods. Lan doesn't know what Moraine wants anymore. Again, sulky Rand, uh, sulky Lan, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I can't even keep him straight anymore. Yeah, I can't even keep your sulky men straight. Yeah. It was a fun scene, though, and I and like you were saying earlier, all the dialogue between the warders has been excellent this episode and this season, I would say. I think it's been a great expositive conversations. The, this was my other, one of my other big favorite scenes out of the episode. The, the, um, not only was the dialogue amazing, but the shot was great. The focus puller. So, you know, you've got a camera operator, right? And then you'll have a second person who is managing the focus and they'll, they'll mark off on the lens the positions of where Lan's face is in focus and uh, Ivan's face is in focus. And then there's somebody t- turning a knob to change the focus of it, to rack the focus is what they call it. And that focus puller earned their dollars that day. It was spot on. Then there were times when they left, even though the, the dialogue shifted back to Ivan, they left the focus on uh, Lan you know, giving us some more emotional impact of what he, you know, what he's struggling and dealing with. This whole scene was just so well constructed. I loved it. I heard that on this day of filming, actually, the whole crew broke down in tears because it was so beautiful when Are you serious? they saw the, 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 the focus person 
uh-huh. finished their job. They said, I've never seen a focus job like that before. <laughs> I've never seen focus be pulled. <laughs> You're bullshitting me. So beautifully before. <laughs> You're, are, are you bullshitting me? I'm bullshitting you. Okay, bullshitting good. You. <laughs> You're not a Sedai, so you can lie to me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, the the this thing that Ivan is saying here, uh, this idea of like a thousand to one cuts, right? You know, there's one cut that was actually given, but in your mind, it's a thousand. So yeah. true, right? Yeah. And people don't understand that we quiet ones are quiet because the conversation always is playing out in our own heads. Oh my Lord. We're not quiet, right? We're not, we're on the podcast. Mm -hmm. We're we're flapping our gums. Right. We are not the quiet ones. No, but that line was so insightful and so truthful again. And to pair it with the scene with Nynaeve and and, uh, Leandrin really just, Excellent, excellent writing and excellent television making here. I, I can't I can't yeah. say much more without sounding ridiculous. Yeah. Obviously, Land, the problem is you don't know what Moraine wants anymore. That's the problem. <laughs> right. Right? That is He hasn't been listening, right? Exactly. Which seems kind of confusing that he doesn't know what she wants when she's like, hey, buddy, I got to go save the dragon because (laughs) we got a big problem here. The dark one's still out there. The forsaken are free. I got to I got to fix this. And I'm like, that's a pretty clear cut goal. But yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know, man. Get with it, Alana. Yeah. Maxim and Alana then read a note and share a chilling look while Ishmael's Lanfear chant plays in the background. The look on uh, Priyanka Bose's face is chilling. It sure just, is. She, she's just taken aback by this thing, and she realizes what what they're dealing with. Great. Just a yeah. It was a simple scene, uh, well delivered. Yeah, I think that Lanfear is probably. I I know in the books they say Lanfear is like basically the one that they used to have. They used to use in like kids stories to scare them. Okay. Like like don't don't, don't right. forget to take the trash out or Lanfear mm-hmm. will come get you. Yeah yeah. <laughs> So that is a big deal that she is back. Uh, back to Kyrian, though, where where Lanfear is. Anvir confronts Moraine for the way she has neglected the family after their uncle ruined them. Anvir says her son will soon marry the queen, elevating their family once again. Moraine extends an olive branch, but Anvir tells her that she owns all of Moraine's eyes and ears now. If Moraine wants to know where Rand is, she'll have to ask her sister very nicely over tea. <laughs> so spicy. Spare me the false penitence. That's so good. I liked it. I yeah. liked it. Uh, somehow, finally, I don't care what you think. Again, just brilliant writing. Really, really great dialogue. And and I love the fact that Moraine goes to her room and hesitates for a second and goes, nah. I'm going to go back to my room. I got stuff to do. I, you know, I'm on my <laughs> mission. And then boom, there she is. Right. It was like so good. And the camera work, we start behind um, Anavir's head and then the camera shifts to the right. No, to the left. Sorry. To reveal when Moraine walks in. And it was just a really visually delivered. Um, the, the, the shot delivered a lot of energy for the setup, for the drama that we were working on. So it was just, it was really good. Very happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was a great scene overall. I like that Moraine has to kind of humble herself here because I think yeah. based on this season so far, I think Moraine needs a little bit humbling. 
mm-hmm. because she is just burning every bridge along her path. Not great so far. And little sister there is there to give it to her. <laughs> Who Absolutely. is no longer little sister. Absolutely. So. Back to the younger ones, because I was going to say the littler sisters, but I, I don't know. I guess I guess they are littler sisters because they're called sisters in the White Tower. Anyway. True, yeah. Anyway, Nynaeve finds Egwene with Elaine. She kicks Elaine out of her own room and tells Egwene she will be going to save Perrin and Loyal in Falm. Egwene insists she come too and says the reason she's been trying so hard is because she feels like she failed Rand at the Eye of the World and won't fail her friends again. Nynaeve leads Egwene through the secret passage out of the tower where they're followed by Elaine. Leandrin arrives, calls Elaine a complication and knocks them all out with the one power. Yeah, I don't know what to do with this scene. Uh, I really can't predict what's going to happen here, which is a good thing. It means I'm going to be surprised, but I, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't fully understand Leandrin's motivation. I think she was trying to then just go with Nynaeve and it was just going to be the two of them. You, you you have the information you need to know you, to know what her problem is now. Well, yeah, because Elaine's not supposed to be there. No, uh, I, I'm saying I think you you have the information you need now by the end of this episode to know what Leandrin is, what her real Aja is. Oh, oh, right, 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 right. Yes, yes, that is true. She is not playing for the same team. Congratulations, David. We have our first <laughs> Black Aja member. Woo! A Black Aja. Is that- She's part of the Black Aja. Okay. So this is not something that I have uh, realized existed before. So the, if you I were, believe it's mentioned in season one. Okay. Well, there you go. Not paying attention enough to rumors, season one. Gotta there go are back. rumors of, and this has been forever. The, the White Tower has always been in denial that there could possibly be Dark Friend Aes Sedai. Mm-hmm. And we call Dark Friend Aes Sedai the Black Aja. Okay. And... We saw Leandra do something that shouldn't have been allowed under her oaths, which is use the power as a weapon, right? Oh, right. Clue one. Right. Yep. Right. We also saw, we also heard uh, uh, Ishmael later refer to her, working with her. Yeah, obviously, right. Yeah, of course. When she's talking, when he's talking to Min. Lastly, we still have people unidentified at the opening scene table at the Dark Friends right. Social. Right. We know one was wearing a great serpent ring. I think okay. she's a pretty good candidate, huh? Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of clues there. A lot of clues there. Yeah. And it's rough because they've given us they've given us some insight into her character. And so it's it kind of it's it's uh, uh it's upsetting to to think that she's a, a baddie. When she's been a baddie yeah. all the time, and we were hoping, well, maybe she's a baddie with a goody heart inside. Yeah. But if she's a baddie on the outside with a baddie heart on the inside. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I will tell you that when Amazon sends us screeners, they send us do not reveals. Right. Those are things that when you're doing a, a spoiler-free review, you should not be revealing. When you're writing show descriptions, you should not be revealing, things like that. One of them is, for this episode, Leandrin reveals herself to be Black Aja. Okay. So they wanted you to figure that out. Okay. I don't it. know if they spelled it out enough for you. Yeah, I I think I'm I'm slightly I was slightly like, wait a minute, what is she? Yeah. So 
I, yeah. It was slightly lost on me, even yeah. though the min scene should have sealed it for me. I think I just there's a, so I'm trying to keep so many details in my head. Right, right. Well, you got you got two other shows to keep details in your head for. That's I right. <laughs> I get it. So I'll be here. I'll be here to put the clues together for you. That's what. That's why we have a podcast, right? I won't. Explain I won't solve the mystery for you until all the clues are there. But I will help you solve the mystery once they are there. There you go. Okay, so Min has a nightmare of being a fortune teller, seeing horrors surrounding her clients. Ishmael arrives across the table and reveals who he is. Leandrin promised to take away Min's visions, and Ishmael says the darkness is the only way to do that. When he sa- when she says she won't hurt Matt, he says she might, and tells her to take Matt to Kyrian. She asks what's in Kyrian, Ishmael smiles, and we cut to Miranda and Celine, or Lanfear, I guess. Right. Uh, trippy, creepy. The editing was trippy. The whole scene was creepy. Um, Ishmael had this splash of red light on his face in the scene, which was really nice, a little extra touch. So yeah, all good stuff. Right. And of course right. that obvious reveal that Leandrin is working with, if, if, if she's in communication with Ishmael, mm-hmm. that should be clue enough Right. right. <laughs> that she's talking to the guy. Right. Let alone, let alone doing anything. She's actually in cahoots with him. So, so we've go. identified somebody at the table. Right. We've got, we've got her, the Aes Sedai. Don't forget, we've got a white cloak. We've got a uh, Shinarin and we've got a Shanchen. Right. Those are that we, that we know of a Shanchen with long fingernails. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that's where we're at now with that. I do enjoy Min trying to run away from the fortune teller stuff. I think that she, in the books at this point, is a little bit hesitant to let anybody know because, as we know from the wolves, that uh, the Aes Sedai don't like what they don't understand. And they can't figure out Min, right? She's not using the one power to do this, and they can't figure out why she's able to do this. Is this a product of the darkness? Is it not? Um. I don't even think it's fully explained by the end of the book, honestly, by the end okay. of the books. I think she just can see the pattern. She can see the pattern around people. Right. Just a, happens to be somebody who just happens to have the weird, a weird gift. Right. And I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm fine with people having some sure. unexplained gifts. Yep. Rand wakes up next to Celine on the cliff. Celine shouts for Rand to look behind him at a mere draw attacking. As they are cornered at the edge of a cliff, Rand uses the one power to burn the trial, uh, the rear draw, sorry, to death. Celine appears freaked out by Rand's channeling and puts together that he hit, he lit the inn on fire. Rand insists he has not gone mad and gets mopey and implies he loves Celine. Celine accepts Rand as a channeler. Well, we know this is all an act from Lanfear uh, by the end, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Oh my and- God! You can channel. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't tell you, but I just wanted to pick up some power converters at Tashi Station. <laughs> sorry, I don't want to. <laughs> He's having a hard time. <laughs> he is. He is. Was the Mirdral that was a setup by her to had to be trigger yeah. his uh, powers? Right. Right. I I think her goal is get him channeling more and more and more to get, get him it flowing. With and, it. Yeah. 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 That, that makes sense. So the uh, the whole uh, saying I love you without saying I love you, like, oh, you know, uh, they say I'll, I'll kill everyone I love, so I'm going to go now. Like That was nice. That was a nice little setup. Yeah, that was nice. That was good yeah. dialogue. 
The same as everyone else, me? never <laughs> enough. <laughs> so, yeah. They were they are doing some good things with Ranfear. I do think that Ranfear is a better setup in the show than the books actually. They never get together in the books. They okay. uh, well, like at this point I would say. They, right. At this point in the books they're not together. She just kind of flirts with them a lot and okay. tries to get him to embrace the source, tries to get him to be interested in like glory, you know, things like that. That's their big thing. Think of the glory if you find the horn of Valir. Mm. kinds of things like that because you know this she's she's trying to get him into his own ego right to right. to feel confident in himself i think part of it is she wants him to be similar to someone she used to know mm-hmm. in his arrogance and and whatnot somebody and, uh, that you used to know i can't sing that song right. i can't sing that high you didn't have to cut me off david okay um <laughs> that should be our theme song now yeah uh, Alana and her warders read the message, which says the daughter of the night, Lanfear, has been freed. As Ivan reads Ishmael's chant, it turns to Ishmael's voice while Lanfear ties Rand up and calls herself a monster. As we get flashbacks to the opening scene, Lanfear begins to embrace the one power, but Moraine appears and stabs Lanfear through the heart and slits her throat. Rand corners Moraine with the one power, but Moraine insists she cannot kill Selene. Because she's really Lanfear. Uh, we see Lanfear then start to wake up in the closing scene. So the um, nice place to use the I, I can't lie to you line to get yes, Rand yeah. to chill out, like perfectly placed, perfectly timed, yeah. well used. So Because she says good. it in, in plain text, right? Not like she's not who you think she is. Like right. that would be, you know, you could argue around that. She's um, like, buddy, that's a fucking murderer. Get away from us. <laughs> Uh, I felt a little robbed in this scene because I thought she was going to transform into some terrible visage of, you know, some true form or something like that. And so, you know, that's good, right? It's, it's leaving me wanting a little bit more. I, I'm a little no, bit more I, I'm just going to spoil this for you. Lanfear's hot. She's just going to be hot. She's hot. Like, that's her real yeah. form. There's no, I'm, like, zombie Lanfear. Oh, okay. All right. Unless, unless they make it that way. But it's not that they died and were resurrected. They were just like put into storage basically okay. for 3000 years put on ice. So this just has the black company, uh, series of books sort of, yes, uh, the taken into it. Yeah. The taken. Yeah. That's right. I've actually been reading book two lately cause I was inspired okay. after we talked about it a little bit. So mm-hmm. I'm, it's actually a little bit fresh in my mind. Cool. Right. So yeah. yeah so so Lanfear is kind of like the lady in vibe. Okay. You know how the lady in, in the black company is very like mysterious and beautiful, but also incredibly evil. Yeah. Right. Well, that's, that's <laughs> Lanfear here. Okay, cool. That gives me some uh, extra insight into uh, who she's really about, what she's really about then. Yeah. And, and great hook to end it on with Maureen and Rand on the run here. Rand you know, on, on the run. run. Hey, we got a harmony there. That was pretty good. Yeah. yeah uh, so, yeah. And, <clears throat> you know, with Alana and uh, Maxim and, and Ivan and, you know, so we've got some convergence potentially happening in some future episodes here where everybody's figuring out this mystery and we've got to get to some place to do some things. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's uh, picking up some pacing there. So that's good. I would say books one through three all do the same thing, which is let's get everybody to the same place at the end for this crazy finale. Mm-hmm. And then after that, the books become Exploded much more again. unique in their endings. OK. So 
you know, that that's what we did in book one, right? Like that's what we did in season one mm-hmm. is we got everybody to the end. And so I'm wondering if they're going to do that three times like they did in the books right. or if they're going to <laughs> combine things. Cause it does seem like they're trying to combine books two and three here. Okay. Well, cool. David, that's the episode. Great episode had a lot of uh, great stuff, you know, on, on balance, the couple of downer scenes seem insignificant relative to the ups, the scenes that are really good. So, you know, we're, we're moving along. I, I feel, I feel good. I'm really liking the season so far. I mean, we've seen half the season much, much better than season one, like a world better yeah, than season sure. one. I'm so happy with it. I don't know if it's, it's not in my top three for the year so far. Okay. It's, it's still very good. It's probably still in my top 10 for the year so far. But again, I want to give it to the end of the season to really impress me. Right. And yeah, there's still uh, four seasons to go. Or four seasons, four episodes to go. Four seasons. Well, actually, we we have, if they get everything they want, there's another six seasons to go. (laughs) So, I mean, it's the same thing as Foundation, right? David Goyer is trying to do eight eight seasons. Speaking of David Goyer, we just spoke to him on the Foundation podcast. We had a nice interview with him. It's great. It was really good. uh, If you don't know, he is the showrunner of Foundation, in addition to just being an acclaimed, you know, very, very prolific writer yeah. of TV and film. So check that out on our main feed. I'm just going right into programming notes here, David. Yeah, I'm just, <laughs> fair I'm, enough. I'm just. I mean, the only thing that we're covering right now, the only thing that we can think about is Foundation, Ahsoka, and Wheel of Time. And yep. uh, everything else is secondary. <laughs> if you're wondering where Silmarillion stories are or other things like that, They're we're coming. working it out. <laughs> we're getting some done. Yeah. It'll be out when we can get it out because we're trying to wrap up these three shows. But once we're done with these, we're, we'll be back on the up and up with our more uh, ongoing shows. Right. And I think it's fair to say that we're we're just in a flood right now and, and uh, work-life balance because this is not our primary job. So Right. All right. Well, now that we've done our programming notes, let's <laughs> reverse, reverse back into the feedback section. Reminder, you can send feedback to WOT at thelorehounds.com or Head to thelorehounds.com, fill out the contact form, just like Jamie did. David, can you read us Jamie's email? So we got uh, this message from Jamie, and they seem to be enjoying the podcast, and it sounds like they're a, a new listener. So thanks, Jamie, for jumping on board. They did have a request for us, which is to do a little bit better job at our callbacks to season one. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, we're, we cover a lot of stuff and I, you know, we didn't get a chance to watch season one to have it fresh in our minds before season two started. And I think given the level of depth and complexity of what's going on here, I think I'm definitely going to try once foundation wraps up to go back and, and catch season one, um, a bit so that some of these details are, are more fresh in my mind. All right, cool. Thanks, Jamie. I think we have yeah. one more feedback, right? Right. Uh, yeah. David. Yeah, and Jamie, I hope to hear from you again soon if you've got some more insights for us, definitely from season one stuff. Don't don't hesitate to send it in. So, um, yes, we've got Loremaster Michael G. Hey, Lorehounds, I'm super excited about the second season of The Wheel of Time, and thanks for covering it in full. I already enjoyed your prep episode so much. Yeah, that was that conversation with uh, Dr. Michael Livingston about his book, The Origins of Wheel of Time. That was really good. Um, anyway, he carries on. You're basically to blame that I even got into these works. I was vaguely aware that Amazon had done a season on it, but didn't decide to watch it. After Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power finished, and you had mentioned it a couple of times on the Second Age podcast, 
I finally decided to watch the first season and I was a bit disappointed and confused as John in particular expressed several times about how much he loved wheel of times. I thought that there must be more to this and bought the books for my Kindle, not knowing how many there were (laughs) or how thick they were. That was a surprise. I'm sure Michael G that was a surprise. Yeah. It's not the, uh, the quickest series to run through. No. And, you know, reading uh, the Livingston book and reading the biography of um, Jordan and his passing and what they went through and how Sanderson was picked and all this stuff, it sounds like an incredible thing. Like he just really was like this world that what created around him was was a palpable reality, you know? it's massive, you know, multiple assistants and, you know, uh, all this Well, I think part of the reason that the series went so long is that he started to love living in the world. And so he just wanted to do more of it. And so he would explore different nooks and crannies that maybe he didn't need to, to finish the series. Mm -hmm. Um, But we love him for it. That's part of what we love about the wheel of time. Right. was the completeness of the detail. Anyway, uh, Michael G continues. I've recently finished book four and decided to rewatch the first season. Well, I don't want to argue that you need to have read the books in order to enjoy a TV show. I do want to say that the show gets a lot right and makes good choices in condensing the first book into eight episodes while already laying some tracks for later storylines, e.g. the much earlier introduction of Leandrin. Also, the main characters, with the exception of the dumpster fire that was <laughs> Barney Harris's departure from the show, which, yeah, I don't understand why dude left the show because he was a perfect match. We, we have no insights. Let's just move on from it. <laughs> yeah. Mostly end up in the places at the end to pick up their storylines up in season two. Rand being separated from the group is a twist here, but I think they're fast forwarding this to the events in book three. Yeah. Season one has. Problem. Oh, sorry. Did you want to comment on that? No, I was, I was saying I agree. I think that they okay. are bringing Rand to more of his book three self. Got it. If season one has a problem, it's episode seven and in particular eight. But these are problems due to Mr. Harris and COVID. In my humble opinion, the rest is good and true to the spirit of the books and does not need to be forgiven, quote unquote, as it is not forsaken, quote unquote. Um, I have high hopes for season two. And I've decided that I will listen to John and Alicia's non-spoiler-free discussions, even though I haven't read all the books yet. I very oh, much enjoy. Don't do yourself dirty like that, Michael. I mean, you're <laughs> welcome to. I just, I just, I, I love watching people experience the story for the first time too. I know that in the first three episode uh, one that we definitely did spoil like the last book <laughs> because okay. we were just discussing character beats and where they're leading. Right. So. so do what you want. Do what you want with our Enter content. the White Tower. Yeah, yeah carefully. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All the best uh, from Switzerland, Michael G. Michael, thank you so much for being a lore master, um, a top tier Patreon supporter, and uh, so glad that you've discovered a new realm uh, to, in which to explore and uh, and that you get to, yeah, get, get to join us with us, join with us on this uh, on this journey. Yeah, thank you, Michael G. I lo- love reading these emails. I love that people are discovering the Wheel of Time through us because it's a world that I really love to live in, and I love that there's more people living in it now. Awesome. Speaking of patrons, John, would you like to give a shout-out to our lore masters? Sure. Uh, so we've got our lore masters, which Michael G. is one of them, and they are our top-tier Patreon supporters who help us keep the wheel turning and keeping the pattern moving. They are... Samartian, Cyrus, Mark H, Michael G, Michelle E, 
David W, Brian P, Nick W, SC, Peter OH, Bettina W, Adam S, Nancy M, Lavinia T, Duve 71, Brian 8063, Frederick H, Sarah L, Garrett C, Eric F, Matthew M, Sarah M, DJ Miwa, Andra B, Kwang Yu, Laura G, Deadeye Jedi Bob, Nathan T, and Alex V. Thank you all so much for all your help. I mean, unlike Rand, we have a big support system here. And that's that's a big help to, to keep us away from the Forsaken. One more note before we head on to the White Tower segment. We've got our affiliate podcast, First is Properly Howard Film Review, currently doing a season on remakes. Anthony and Steve are doing a comedic review of all these remakes of classic films right now. Uh, they're about to come out with their Wicker Man coverage. They just came out with The Wolfman. Wicker Man is such an insane movie, and Mm -hmm. I can't wait to listen to them talk about it with Nick Cage screaming, not the bees. It's it's just, it's insane. So it was on our old man or our millennial madness movies one month, and now I kind of want to put it on again. But yes, (laughs) tune in. You don't have to watch the movie. You'll have a great time. Yeah, The Wolfman, uh, they just did the, the, covered the, remake of the Wolfman, the 2010 version. And actually the conversation was really interesting because they broke down horror genre and the Wolfman storyline stuff in a way that I never thought about before. So it okay. was really, really insightful. It was a, it was a very cool podcast. I got to check I it out. I did start it. I yeah. did start it, but I, I haven't had a chance to finish it because we have three shows going on. Um, anyway, our other affiliate you will hear from in a moment is Alicia doing her Wool Shift Dust Does Dune feed. And she is going through the Dune universe, one book and video game and movie at a time, talking about the culture that is Dune ahead of Dune Part 2, which has been pushed to next year. Stay tuned for scheduling updates on that. But now you don't have to wait to hear Alicia if you want spoilers, because she's about to join us. David, let's welcome Alicia. Alicia, welcome back to the White Tower. Sorry, Alicia Sedai. I won't be naive and leave off your honorific. <laughs> or my John, words will be after you. you. <laughs> what did you think of this episode, Alicia? Um, yeah, overall, I was I was really pleased. This was my second favorite of the first four after three. Um, so I think it's you know I'm hoping people are expecting like big mid season finale, and it's it's not that kind of episode really, but it does really move the plot forward, and it makes me especially excited about episode uh, five. Interesting. It did feel like a mid season finale to me with the yeah? reveal of Landfear. Yeah. Okay. That that felt like a big thing to me. I guess maybe just because like I knew that it was just a matter of when. It was like okay, well now that happened, so now we can move forward. And I'm we're curious. going into a different phase of the story, right? Rand on the run with, the <laughs> uh, with, with Moraine. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think it works as a midseason. I'm, I'm curious, Alicia, too, just from the adaptation versus inspiration, you know, book to television show. Like, how are you feeling as a, as a book reader? Are you feeling like you're being I mean, met? You're set, you're, like your, your feelings are, are, you know, how's the vibe check on your side? <laughs> um. I mean, I, I was, I never, I didn't have a problem with, I don't have a problem with changes in general. I do have to say like, sometimes there was another show that recently, uh, they made an adaptation of, uh, some of my, another series of my favorite books, um, the winter King, I'll just name and shame, but a lot of people <laughs> like it, but I started it and, um, it wasn't doing it for me. So I just like turned it off, you know, it was like, uh-huh. maybe if I hadn't read the book for that case, I would have liked it more, but it felt to me like it was missing the point of the book. Um, 
in general, though, I'm very forgiving, and I never had that problem with this show in um, in the first place. And I think that I see as a book reader, I feel I feel like I see so much more how they're lining up things. So that probably makes me like it even more. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and and as a non book reader, yeah, what was your yeah, you you know, John and I were just talking about it now. I I I don't feel like. I'm missing anything from the books. Like, you know, there's all, there's all the conversation of, well, in the books they did this and in in the, you know, the character does that or whatever. Okay, fine. If, as I'm just watching it, I don't detect any, there's nothing that's confusing me. There's nothing that is, there's deep lore and world building stuff, but then I can accept all of that as they're going to pay those off. They're going to answer those questions and learn about stuff. I don't feel lost. I don't know that if you're a non- genre fan, you know, how you might feel, you know, if you're a genre fan, you know, a peripheral fan and you're coming into this world, it may be a little bit much, but if you're into science fiction and fantasy and, you know, this kind of fictional world building stuff, I think it's just fine. And it seems to be seamless. Like I don't feel, I don't feel the hand of the, of the writers necessarily. But do you think like if someone were to come in, not knowing fantasy at all. Do you think that this is a um, higher gateway? Yes. Yeah. Than Lord yeah. of the Rings. Yeah. Uh, yes. I think yep, so. I would I think say so. so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There's a lot I of think proper because, nouns in here. Yeah. Well, well, I think because, well, it does initially have a similar vibe to Lord of the Rings. It only feels familiar and comfortable because of that. Yeah. And if mm. you're not already familiar with the Tolkien soup, you okay. will not have that grounding. Mm-hmm. And it is introducing a lot of proper so nouns, much. a lot of, a lot of, you know, I, I rhymed all my sentences last night, like Elaine, Egwene, Moraine. <laughs> and I, I think that it can be a little head spinny if you're not prepared to jump in. So I, I do think, I okay. do think David's right. It's a higher, well, yeah. it's a higher barrier to entry than a lot of other properties. What about compared to, uh, you know, high sci-fi, um, hard sci-fi, which say Dune. Oh, I could do Wheel of Time a million times over Dune. <laughs> so yes, yeah, I would I would say that Dune is a higher barrier, but I also think that's because I'm more steeped in Tolkien mm-hmm. soup than I am in sci-fi soup. But okay. you know, Dune won a lot of non-sci-fi fans in the box office. Right, it's, it's a pretty straightforward story of a you know, a coming of age story for this young man, and so that storyline is very simple. Where Wheel of Time. I've got I've got five it's an ensemble, different characters. Yeah. yeah, exactly, and in and, and they're scattered to the far corners of the world, and there's you know deadly creatures over here, and you know uh, black uh, you know Sedai over there. I mean, and, wait till we get to Arrakis. I mean, the Isle Waste. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No sandworms. No sandworms. There's a big monster in Dune. That's all pretty straightforward. I think it's yeah, a, it's a much yeah. flatter thing. Obviously, the books are a whole different story, but I think Villeneuve brought the storyline dimensionally flattened the world enough that it's uh, anybody could walk in and, and get what's going on. Yeah. So, all right. So book fans, aren't we glad that uh, Rafe Judkins did not flatten the world like that for a wheel of time? <laughs> I think that is the point, right? If he flattened the world too much, there would be a lot of hue and cry. Yeah. Well, we would lose what makes it special, which is exactly. a lot of it is like that rich world building and how mm-hmm. it's, you know, you have these 
really different, fundamentally different groups in how they have to play against and with each other and uh, changing alliances. And yeah. I think the Lord of the Rings does a lot of dividing the villains against each other. And well, it does divide some of the heroes against each other in minor conflicts. I think Wheel of Time does a much better job of showing how different well-meaning groups can work mm-hmm. against each other accidentally. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. I think that's that's a good thing. And one thing that the show is doing well is that the Wheel of Time is in one of the things I love about it is it it's lessons in empathy in many cases. And the show is mm-hmm. really leaning into that with obviously Leandrin being the most obvious uh upgrade right. in terms of three dimensionality. Right. <laughs> yes, she is much less cartoon villain y in the show. Well, I should uh, slide out of here really quick uh, to let you guys get on uh, with the White Tower. But I will say, Alicia, that I know we were having some chatter on our production Discord server about you know the ups and downs of this episode. But there are some scenes in this episode that were stunning, just absolutely beautiful. The the conversations between Big Sister and Little Sister, and with Lan yeah. and and especially uh, Ivan, those were some really wonderful moments. And then the and Leandrin and uh, Nynaeve, r- really great writing, really great stuff. So I, I enjoyed this episode a lot. Yeah, a lot of character building. Absolutely. All right, all right, guys. We'll have fun in uh, your White Tower. David, enjoy Tarvalon while we talk in the White Tower. Bye. Bye. The hall is adjourning. Welcome back to the White Tower. This is a big spoiler warning right here. Alicia and I are about to discuss all 14 books plus the prequel 15, of The Wheel yeah. of Time. <laughs> yes, yeah, I, I know. I, I, I say 14 plus one, but but 15 is valid too. I know. The prequel uh, is one of my favorites. So I'm I know. Like, you, you've nobody saying, forget the prequel. Yeah. I am good with New Spring. It's not my favorite, but mm-hmm. it is a good story. And we did get some nods to it in episode three, which was nice. Yeah. Alicia, as far as book changes, what did you like? What did you not like this episode? Um, well, there's a couple things I wanted to call back from the last three episodes that we missed. Um, I just wanted to point out real quick. Someone just pointed out to me um, that in episode one, the opening with the Dark Friend Social, uh, if you open the X-ray on Amazon, it says that that's taking place in Teleron Riyadh. Oh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, so that's interesting to keep in mind. And that does raise ex- extra questions about why was the little girl there? Um, right. So, yeah, huh. definitely keeping an eye on that. Um, another thing that we didn't, I don't think we pointed it out, but Leandrin lied to Matt, which, you know, obviously is pointing out that she is, again, full book spoilers, Black Aja. Right, um, right. And, yeah, and it was also nice foreshadowing in that episode when we got Nynaeve filtering through a funnel because mm-hmm. that's, uh, like, you know, how she cleans um, Sidene. Yeah, um, the, the male half Sidon. Yeah. And then, uh, so you say Sidon. Okay. Oh, do I said you, Sidene, what do you say? But I said Sidene. But, again, I haven't. I haven't listened. You listened to the audiobooks, and I haven't. So I, I, I think it is Sidene. I'm just okay. being being a filthy American. <laughs> Um, and then we also got confirmation to the battle in the sky reference. Uh, Viren said that there is a battle in the sky predicted in Tom on Tommen's head. Mm-hmm. So 
do you think that's going to be a like an actual fighting in the air, like in the books? Or do you think it's going to be like from a certain point of view, they're up on a cliff or something or on that Planquin or something? What I always pictured and I hope they do is flashes of lightning where you see the shadows of them in the air. Right. Right. So rather than having this like projection in the air, because I think that would look really goofy. Right. I think it would be cool to see these like echoes of the ground battle projected into the air. Yeah. Somebody did say it gets weird in the finale. So. Okay. Nothing's out, but. We'll right. see, because you and I have not seen the the finale. We we have no. not gotten screeners for the second half of the season. Uh, the Amazon sheet for the screeners said uh, the the second half coming at some point, but we have not heard yet. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Um. Yeah. At, at this point, I think. Yeah. I'm assuming I'll be watching weekly uh, with everyone. Which part of me is looking forward to because it's been hard to bite my tongue. And sometimes people are like, oh, I really like that, um, you know, how Maxim and Ivan have gotten more of a, a role. And then I'm like, oh, well, yeah, th- especially that conversation with let delete, 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 delete. Yep. That yep. happens in episode four. Um, I have had to remove myself mostly from the Wheel of Time channel in our Discord just because I can't risk spoiling it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah, so I look forward to that. Um, yeah, one other thing that I pointed out on the Discord is my friend Zareen, um, at, yeah, at first water time on Twitter, she noticed that there are actually tiny thin weaves linking the Soldam and the Damane. So I assume we'll see more of that next episode, which that is, is called cool. Damane. But yeah. yeah. So are they weaves or are they? They're weaves. Yeah. They, they're not leashes. Well, they're weave leashes. Yeah. So they're okay. not physical, but they are like strands connecting the the thing in the wrist with the thing on the throat. Interesting. I, I wonder if that will be more of part of the clue that the Suldam can channel. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. Because that's a big cultural shift for Shanchen. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to they they cast an actor who I really like to play a character I really hate. So uh, we're going to meet uh, Zelia Mendez Jones as Rena next episode. So we'll Ooh, see. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I'm I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to end dreading it. You know, like yeah. it's, <laughs> it's a really hard passage to read. I was actually listening to the audiobook the other day of book two and I got up to the Damani chapter and I went, oh, fuck, I don't want to listen to this right now. <laughs> it's yeah, it's just so hard. But it's so central to Egwene's character development that it's like it's got to happen in the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and but about this episode, uh, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, what did you think of the Lanfear Ishii flashback? Um, the summoning I, I of Lanfear. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was great. I loved like the location I'm obsessed with. I need to know where it is um, so that I can go visit it. I'm assuming it's somewhere in, in uh, Czechia or uh, Slovenia. Big um, fan of caves, I guess. I am a big fan of caves, actually, yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but those cool, tall pillar things, yeah. Um, and I just, yeah, I love the, produ- the production design with like the clock looking over and the weaves. Um, some people were bothered by the fact that he was chanting like it was an incantation, but I just thought, you know, he was being dramatic. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I think Ishi loves being really broody and dramatic. And yeah, I, I, I like that for his character. This this yeah, exactly. version of Ishmael especially is mm-hmm. very into the drama, right? The, yeah. You know, the the later on in the episode with the, the fortune telling Min, 
so right. you, you know, true. salty and dramatic. He's he's all he's a theater major, you know, he just yeah. loves it. Yeah. Yeah. Um I yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see I mean, this does feel like the Ishamayel of the books, but maybe the version we get to know later, you know? Mm-hmm. Like more Morden kind of vibe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And now they're kind of letting letting this character build which you know you have Faris Faris that's you, you need to let him stretch his wings and do his full range of like from soft and sweet to you know full on forsaken yeah I'm really liking Ishmael. I like him better so when I first watched season one I had not read up to the point where he was revealed to be Ishmael and not the dark one and I was okay. I was kind of like I don't know if I love this casting for the dark one he doesn't feel evil enough right and then I found out in the books that that's actually Ishmael. And I was like, well, I, first of all, I hope that they do make that Ishmael on the show. Mm-hmm. But also, if they do, I think that's a good characterization. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I like that they're leaning into the humanity of the Forsaken. Um, mm-hmm. And yes, speaking of which, uh, so the Lanfear reveal, how did that work for you? You know, I was pretty shocked when Moraine came behind and stabbed yeah. her. Uh, the one thing that bothers me is the whole instant regeneration that feels not of this universe. Yeah, I am wondering about that. But then again, I don't know. The Forsaken shouldn't be like, yeah, I don't know. Does she have like a special self-healing talent? I hope they explain that. Um, she should at least have to be healed by someone else, right? Yeah, I, I have no idea. I mean... It, it really doesn't make sense to me. I did really like the way that they did it in the books of, well, the dark one has to sort of regenerate you at the moment of death. Right. It's not, it's not like an instant healing. Maybe it's, that's, that will be the explanation that she's maybe, just like tapped in, you know, she's still tethered yeah. to him. So maybe it's okay. Well, he grabbed her soul and just put it back in the body. Right. Right, or yeah. just like send some, you know, dark one juice a- along their connection. Yeah, I, gu- <laughs> I guess it just wasn't part of the explanation in the books, so it's it's kind of weird to see. What What do you think was happening with her vibrating right before the stabby stab happened? Good question. Good question. I I thought she was starting to channel, maybe, or yeah. maybe she was going to change her appearance a little bit. I don't maybe know. maybe that. Yeah. I don't know. I was kind of like, Moraine, no, I just want to see where this is going first, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can wait, can we have the show before you before we get to the main event? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm sure Rand will be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she wasn't gonna kill Rand. But also, um, so she's talking uh, all this stuff about her love nest. Obviously, she's referring to Luz Theron, but um that cliff that they were on probably didn't exist before the breaking, right? Because like it's his fault that it's broken. Yeah, a like little, little bit of a plot hole. Yeah, that's fine. Just uh, <laughs> yeah, but or may- maybe it wasn't on a cliff, and now it's on a cliff because yeah of the breaking. Yeah, and yeah, and we also I, I noticed when I was going back to watch the first three episodes that we lost the red coat in the fire. So I guess we're gonna get our next one from Moraine with dragons on it, perhaps. That'd be fun. I would like yeah. that. Yeah, I really I want to see us actually pick the coat this time, please. Yeah. You know, um, David actually did basically put together that she was in love with Luz Theron. Okay. Which is wow. good because okay. originally I saw his notes. I think he was speculating Ishmael might be her former lover. Okay. But, um, you know, he, he basically put it together with a few clues. And I was like, he, he asked me to confirm. I was like, all I'll say is 
she lived at the same time as Ren's right. previous incarnation. Right. Okay. So, well, that, yeah, I mean, that's I think, good. That they that you know it, because that is true. So yeah. You know what he um, didn't put together though, which they could have hmm. made clearer. And I know that this isn't a spoiler because Amazon put it in the do not reveals for this episode on social media. Um, because we we get these uh letters with our screeners that say you know don't reveal these things when you're doing promotional stuff. Right. And the Leandrin is Black Aja is one of those lines. And David couldn't figure out that she was Black Aja without me kind of putting the clues together in one pile for him. Okay. So, and I, I do think that they didn't spell it out enough. No, I think that I, that's on the show. Yeah, I did. I also saw that in the Do Not Reveal list. And I was like, well, they didn't say that. They just said that she captured them, which makes her look dark. Yeah. But I, I, I think it, it's not a spoiler because they do have the reference from Ishmael, like, oh, yeah. the Andron sent you to me. Okay, so we know that she's working for the darkness. We know that she was at, probably at the table. I, I guess there's enough clues there to do Black Asha. That's, I just don't think yeah. they've used the words in the show. No, that's true because we know that she hooked him. She hooked Min up with Ishmael to talk. So that says, you know, she's aligned with the dark. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I the other thing that I really loved that I don't think uh, David loved as much as was a whole RFL scene with Alana and her warders um, and and their conversations with Rand and everything too. Uh, what was your feelings there? Their conversations with Rand. Oh, Lan. Oh, uh, sorry, Lan. Sorry. Okay. Okay. I was very confused. <laughs> you were like, talking where, about where everything. Rhyming. Alana get to yeah. Rand. Yeah. Uh, he did actually really like the ones with Lan. Okay. He really okay. loved that scene. Actually, that was I think one of his favorites. That alongside the naive Leandrin scene, which I also really liked. Um, I loved. Did you notice they have like the little yin yang details on? You know, like they had them on naive sleeves, and they also had it on Alana's necklace in this. Oh, that's cool. I didn't um, notice. And I also pulled up the, uh, you know, I was pulling up the explore section. And so I was noticing, yeah, this not only is this Arafel, but apparently it's also Arafel where Moraine and um, and Adelaus and Varen were before too. Um, oh, okay. And yeah, and they call Randland the Westlands. So that's the official okay. show term for this continent. Hate um, it. <laughs> well, apparently it is one that Robert Jordan used to use himself in occasional interviews. It comes from a role-playing game from back in the day. Okay. Um, well, I'm still going to call it Redland. They can't stop me. <laughs> and so where the where Perrin and Loyal and crew and the Shinarans have been working through is they're already on Tommen's head. Um, and yeah, one thing about this whole Tommen's head thing, though, I hate the pronunciation of it's Falme. They're calling it Falm. Do I you... think in the books they say Falma. Okay. Without Falme. But yeah. I, I think right. it's fine to just say Falm, whatever. <sighs> All right, I'm on board with Falm now. But I also noticed that they um, they highlighted Arad Doman, so that must be somewhere we're going this season. So I'm wondering if we have, like, Grain- Grandel, another Forsaken, um, coming mm-hmm. incoming as Lady Basine there. Um, it's interesting that they had the sanatorium there, and she was a psychiatrist in her pre-Forsaken life, but that's a different location, so I don't know. Right, right. Um, and also, Bale made a point of talking about trading with Seafolk, so I'm wondering if there's any possibility we could pick up with him there being captured by the shanchen would be cool the sea the sea folk probably one of the most the biggest missed opportunities in the books i think yeah. that they didn't go in a in a super interesting place in the end so i wonder if they'll include them in the show and do something new with them or if they're just going to say one too many factions let's just have them be on the on the side 
Yeah, and I'm wondering if Ivan might be Seafolk. Now, they labeled him as Andorin, um, apparently, in the X-Ray for the first season, but I don't know if that still sticks. I couldn't find it. I just saw it online somewhere. Someone said that. Um, right. But to me, like, he doesn't, like, they have him with the scarification along his mouth and the distinctive. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that he's Seafolk because I would love to have that, like, sort of insider perspective come out. Right, yeah, especially if they're not going to give us a first-hand look at it. Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Well, yeah, yeah, not this season anyway. But yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> um, but they have gotten through a lot of books so far. That's for, true for the first half of the season. I think they're pretty much most of the way through book two, mm-hmm. and they could very easily wrap up book two in the next episode or two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think yeah, I think they have to. Well, yeah, I'm sure they're going to blend some things, and I'm thinking that maybe some stuff from. Um, just like they took some stuff from book one over to this season, I'm thinking some stuff that happens at the Tower in Tier is going to wind up being the start of season three. I think Kalendor is not going to happen here. Yeah. I think um, I think Rand will probably take the stone and leave Kalendor. Maybe you think you think he'll t- the they will go to Tier this season. I mean, we've got the Aiel coming, right? Yeah. Yeah. Can I we think- get them involved in Falm in a way that? does not take away from the Shanchen intrigue. I don't know. I think that it would be good to give the Shanchen some space to showcase who they are and then have the Aiel involved in tier if you can get Rand there. Because Rand... But Rand has to be in foam, so... <sighs> he does. Well, he does and he doesn't, right? I mean, they could have him go to tier and fight the <laughs> Dark One in the sky there. We don't have to do, like, the dream fight in tier. I mean, I don't know. We know that, like, Perrin's on Tommen's head already, and we know that he's meeting up with the Aiel yeah. soon from the previews. So I'm assuming uh, they're all going to end up in foam. Yeah. Um, the gang's back together again. <laughs> and and I guess we're going to... I noticed Eyes Without Pity is in title of episode seven, so I guess that's when we're losing Hopper. What did you think of their translation of his name on screen? Oh, I hated it. Yeah? I absolutely hate the... This is what I was saying to David is in the books, I pictured it as he's like images flashing in his mind, like, you know, like he'll see like a frame quickly and just know what it means. And that would be sort of how Perrin interpreted the wolves. I would have liked more like brief images flashing across the screen than an animation of I just hated that. I, I hate I hate how they're portraying the wolf senses. I don't know what it is. It's just not working for me. Okay, all right. It looks like anamorphs. That's what it looks like to me. (laughs) I, I don't know. I think I think for from my perspective, there it's not like my favorite thing of the season, even though the wolf's one of my favorite storylines, but I appreciate how they're handling something that's based on like, you know, the sending of thoughts and combining of this smell thing and trying to make it visual for us. Um so I'm 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 okay with it, but I'm curious how they continue to explain it. I'm glad that we got uh, a serious talk between those two now. Um yeah. why are they not naming Elias? They did name Elias, didn't they? When did they? I don't I don't remember them ever saying his name. Oh, um, I don't know. Maybe just in my head and heart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just very. Con- I keep calling him the tracker in our outlines because they haven't named him, and I'm like, why well, are they also, withholding like, this? But I don't like. Have they named Massimo on screen? Do I don't they call think him so. by name? Uh, maybe they're just like, oh, this is too many names to throw at people at once. So they'll probably name if they haven't named Elias. They would probably say that before Massimo because he's not. It's not important nah, I, we pay attention I, to them yet. If that's their thinking, then that's silly because they're like Masama. I think fine, you know, with too many people because you're not mm-hmm. really giving him much screen time. But 
Elias is getting a ton of screen time. And I don't he's know. Getting really I thought that he you was... need to name the character already. I thought that he was named, but I don't know. We can search the transcripts, but um, I don't know. Um, okay, but so one thing that I liked and then um, one thing that I have a lot of questions about. So one thing that I really liked is that they made Moraine the uh, little big sister, you know, mm-hmm. that they she's the um, youngest sister in the books and they made her the older sister here. Um, and... Yeah, I, I think that's great for emphasizing the age and also the awkwardness of, of this relationship. And then, you know, I just love the whole intimacy of that moment with uh, Anvir where we have her in close mm-hmm. up and, you know, just being an aging noble woman in this world. And then she has to look mm-hmm. at her perfect uh, little sister who, or sorry, big, yeah, big sister who now little looks, big sister. Yeah, yep, yep. yeah little big yeah. sister. That's my so, sister calls me, but that's because she's taller than me. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. And um I'm curious, though, about, yeah, so there's a queen, fine, not like the king in the books, whatever. Um, but do you think that her son, who's going to marry the queen, could be a Barthanes? I think very much possible, That's, yeah. My friend uh, Iman, uh, listener bell on Twitter, she suggested that, and I thought that was really clever. That would be really clever, yeah. Good job, whoever uh, I, whoever you just said. <laughs> Iman. Um, Iman, yes. And, yeah, and... The thing I have a question about, though, is like the masking the bond thing, because, okay, so they're doing this thing in the show, and I don't mind it being different, but they're doing this thing in the show where you can just like mask your bond willfully and, you know, that will save on, there's some awkward sex moments in the books that I guess won't happen now. Um, But if that doesn't happen, I'm just kidding. They can cut that and that would be fine. (laughs) There's a, you know, the, the. The sex that everyone in the world felt. I. It's just. I. I don't know what Robert Jordan was thinking there. Actually, I guess yeah. Brandon wrote that, right? Um, I don't know. Was that Which, in a Brandon book? book? I that? think it was. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I really. I have to like before this and like with these seasons and stuff. I have to go back and really be like, wait, which happened in which book, and when does this book yes. end, and when does yeah. this one begin? Yeah. But just what a weird, weird scene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I I really don't mind that they do that, but I I mean if Moraine is actively masking the bond, then it's more proof that she, she shielded, not stilled, stilled, which I never doubted mm-hmm. to begin with. Um, but then at one point, Ivan seems to hear what Lan is saying in his head, so it's like, wait, did Lan enter the bond with them? And if that's the case, how would he not know that Maxima was being blocked? And how oh, would okay. he? And the whole thing with Moraine and I'm. I'm, I didn't. I didn't totally get that. I didn't totally get Maxim hearing what's in Lance. Uh, yeah, Ivan more... said that. Ivan okay. said you keep repeating this thing in your head about Moraine or something oh, like yeah. a thousand cuts, whatever. I um, guess maybe it's like bouncing around Alana's head and then into Ivan's head. Yeah, but then so so is he bonded to both now? Um, I'm confused. Yeah. I, I, I probably you can be bonded to both. So yeah, of course it's possible. Maybe yeah. maybe that's true. Yeah, and so I think we can safely say that they're combining Murel with um, Alana, and that's one of the combinations I expected as soon as they announced the show. It's fine. It's yeah, um, but I did not m- love that character, and I'm glad she's not here. What a weird character! Another another awful situation. But is that yeah? Is that not going to happen now that they're doing this whole like? Is they're showing it? It's not bond rapage like in the book. It's just like, a, a you know, Moraine did threaten him and say, I will forcibly give your bond to Alana if you don't mm-hmm. just go. Um, but it's not like Alana comes across as much more sympathetic. 
then Alana does come by more a lot more sympathetic. I do think that um I do think that Alana will still do the thing with Rand. Yeah. And that will be awful. And I think that will be a very complicating factor for her okay. character. I hope I hope she does it because I think it's an interesting conversation to have. Right. Right. Not that I hope that for Rand, but it's, No, and it's it an is an important part of her yeah. story too, because then it also it gives reasons for her why she needs to be near him uh, later in the story. Right. Yeah. Right. Um yeah, and, and on the fun side, Matt's dicing era has officially begun. Love it. Love it. Yeah. The, it's time to roll the dice. I can't, I'm, I'll never remember how to say it in the old tongue. Yeah, no, no, I don't even try. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, and Min's dream, like this this whole story they're giving Min uh, is a whole new thing. But I, I don't know. I'm, I'm on board. Like I'm interested to see. I'm wondering if um, she's going to be setting up Rand and Asmodian, which may or may not be the Glee men we already saw. Now I'm full on mm-hmm. uh, conspiracy brain. Yeah, yeah. I I would love to see Asmodian as a Glee man. That would be fun. Yeah, as he was um, at the beginning of his story. Right, I guess the anyway. Yasin Nitel, whatever, uh, alter ego. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and of course we've got the the um, Landrin capture, which is yeah. You are a complication, she says to Elaine, and I am sorry for this, she says to Nynaeve. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very curious what her motivation is going to be in this version, mm-hmm. um, because it seems like they must have introduced us to her son for a reason. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's immortality for her son, right? Give him a new body or something like that. And I don't know. I don't know. Right. I, I think that's a good character motivation. It's very Anakin Skywalker, but... You know, <laughs> right. help me help me use the dark side to save the ones I love. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, yeah. It's. I'm. I'm also curious how her story is going to end. If they're going to like keep her around. If they're going to um, just kill her this season or something. She kind of fades away in yeah. the books, right? Mm-hmm. She has her little troop, and then uh, what's what's her name? I can never remember all that is Mogadine. Yeah. Mogadine basically says, "Yeah, you're you're gonna be my little slave now, so have fun." Yeah, yeah, and I'm I mean I'm wondering if like they're going to because I guess we're gonna get Elida next season. It sounds like so mm-hmm. maybe they're just gonna. Oh, you're try an Elida. To... I'm an Elida. Okay, well, <laughs> Elida. Um, she yeah she she kind of like could slot into Leandrin's place, but then also it messes with people who don't know the books because uh, you think oh well Leandrin was a dark friend Elida Le- Elida clearly is also a dark friend, but then surprise she's not. Mm-hmm. I yeah. I really like Elida in the books. I think it's super interesting. I mean I hate her, but it's but she's a super interesting character because she's again we see these complications we mentioned with David where the people who think that they're fighting the good fight are actually working against each other. And she is a perfect example of how you use somebody with good intentions, but poor moral character against right. each other. You know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, I think that's why she plays such an important role in the story because she, yeah, she provides that, um, that view, that, uh, that point, that piece, that chess piece. <laughs> right. She's a tool. Yeah. She's a, yeah. she's a, and not, not just, not just, you know, she's a tool, but like, she's actually a tool <laughs> of the people. Right. Of the dark ones. Right. Yeah. So we have our coming episodes. We've got Damani, which, yeah, we pretty much know what to expect, I guess. Um, and also, I did look ahead at the um, on IMDb. They posted the actors in that show. So it sounds like that's also when we're going to meet the Aiel and um, and the White Cloaks will make a reappearance. Um, 
Mm-hmm. We've got Eyes Without Pity, which is the name of that chapter where they hide on the steading from the White Cloaks for episode six. So I'm guessing that's when we lose Hopper. Um, mm. And then, Hopper. yeah. Dice Daimar, obviously a lot of Karian in politics. And the finale, what was meant to be. Um, now, a desperate fan theory going around now is that Uno could be a hero of the Horm and maybe an incarnation of Gaidal Kane. <laughs> what do you think of that, Jeff? I kind of love that. I wish, yeah. I think that that's super fun. I don't think it's going to happen. No. But, but I, I would, I would love, it. love it. Yeah. Man, yeah. Uno Uno dying. We knew that people would be upset about it. And I've seen stuff on our Discord of like, why? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I get it. Um, but I also understand why they did it. And it was a very impactful death. Although the saddest part to me is non-book readers are like, oh, wow, that was an impactful death. But like, I'm like, no, but you don't understand. <laughs> They just think yeah. it's shocking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Alicia, we do have feedback for this segment. It is from Tom S., who writes in and says, now for some spoiler-filled thoughts. I guess Tom started with a spoiler-free thought, but we had already recorded the uh, spoiler-free segment already. Uh, I'm writing this after listening to your coverage of the third episode, so sorry if things have changed by the time this question's asked. What are your two theories on which Forsaken are making it into the show? Uh, the popular theory from the seals seems to be that we'll have eight, which I dislike as someone who has interest in folklore and magic. Eight feels a boring, a very boring, unmagical number. Nine or seven would have been much better. Seven best, uh, but I wish, but I could have coped with nine for an extra one. Uh, let's let's pause there quickly. Who do you think? Um, I mean, yeah, I think it's it's definitely going to be eight. And I think there are like interesting um, eight is like a symmetrical. It's actually a lucky number, whereas 13 is an unlucky number. So it's mm. kind of funny. Um, but I, I think, yeah, we've seen eight seals. We've seen uh, on like each seal itself. There is a um, you can see like there's eight little mm -hmm. icons on it that seem to represent eight different uh, forsaken. Um, so I have to say Twitter of time, of course, was all over this, um, especially my friend Brett, uh, a.k.a. Rantel Moore, um, just trying to match up like the possible forsaken with the seals. So my list is influenced by that, but it's also like what I just think is the most obvious. Um, so, yeah, obviously, Ishii and Lanfear, even if we hadn't already had them confirmed, everyone would have them. And I'm thinking Asmodian, Mogadian, uh, Grandal, Semeredge. And I guess Demondred and Ravin and not Samael. Um, but I'm I'm also assuming like they're going to combine. Like I think they're gonna combine mm -hmm. Semerage and Masana. I could mm -hmm. even see them combining Ravin with Grendel because they both have like that compulsion sex thing, yeah. you know? Um Yeah. Yeah. What what do you think? I think your list is great. I would probably sub in Samael for Ravin because okay. I think that he has a cooler name, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> But oh, yeah, yeah, I can work back. Alien and Tear are next door neighbors, so you know. Yeah. Yeah, I think same. I think you're right on cutting who you cut. I think maybe Masana instead of Samael, mm -hmm. but the other three are just gone. Like they I'm are thinking not it'll be back. four men, four women. So. Uh right. Okay. And maybe. also, one thing that uh, one thing that Rental Moore noticed on the seals was that there were some. One of them might have looked like like. Uh, like the seal of alien. So maybe that's a point in Samuel's favor. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I just didn't love Samuel's plot line in the book. Yeah, so I would that's be why fine I feel like, getting rid of him. I mean, I assume either way he and Robin will, 
yeah, they'll be combined and at least in their political roles. Yes, I agree. I agree. I think we're going to do a lot more focus on Andor and less focus on Ilium in the book. Or at least, yeah, maybe I guess we'll we'll get down there. We haven't even gotten to Camelin yet, so. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, I'm wondering if we're going to see Morghese this season. I kind of doubt it at this point. No, I'm thinking at this point, I, yeah, this I was really hoping for her sons. But at this point, I'm thinking like the whole Camelin crew is going to show up beginning of season three. Yeah, I mean, I will always take Les Gowan because <laughs> he's just an incel and I don't like him. But I hate him less than other people. I have like a deep hatred for him. Like every yeah. time I read his chapters, I'm like, mm -hmm. you are a moron who is almost ruining everything because you don't think things through 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. And I just can't stand him. Yeah. Well, it's not who I wanted going to end up with. That's for sure. <laughs> yes, I, I would agree with that. I mean, Galad is is portrayed right in the beginning. You're told basically not to like him, but you kind of like him by the end of the series. You know, you yeah. admire him for who he is. I think that he picks the wrong faction, but. Well, he's in that faction, he does good things with it. But that was apparently Robert Jordan's plan was he wanted Elaine and Galad to end up together at the end because it would have been a nice also because then you have like the tower and the white cloaks married. Interesting. That would have been cool. Why did and why there's did, also some yeah, I don't know. Why did Brandon change it? Well, this you and I have had discussions about I know, me I know hating that Egwene gets killed. <laughs> See, I like that I, I do think her death was very meaningful. Mm -hmm. I could see a satisfying ending where she died too, but then I need one of the other Emmons Fields five to die. You can't walk away with all the main characters alive. That just doesn't feel like the last battle to me. Yeah. What if Rand actually really did die? I think that would have been fine. Yeah. I didn't I didn't need the uh the mystery, you know, pipe at the end. And at this point, yeah, in this version, we can have uh, Elaine and Avienda have each other and Matt and Min have each other. And uh, yes, I'm mm -hmm. already pairing them off. <laughs> I mean, you could have Perrin die and then he just lives with the wolves forever in the in the shadow realm. Yeah, that's true. But then for poor uh, Phil. Well, you could have Phil die. She had a big opportunity to die. She probably should have died if you had mm -hmm. it make, make sense in there. Have her die. Have Perrin go to the shadow realm and then just become feral. <laughs> Oh, anyway, I want them to be happily ever after. He, especially in this TV parent, deserves that. Yeah, Fayil, I know she is a divisive character, but we will see if they change her a little bit in the show. I mean, I think they're going to drastically shorten her kidnapping plot, and that will make people like her a lot more. And hopefully, yeah, less of that like annoying constant jealousy. Yes, yes. But I, All I, right. I like her we are, otherwise. We are so off track here now. Okay. We're talking about Fayil. <laughs> Uh, I think she has been cast for season three, so we will be getting her mm -hmm. soon, but not yeah. this season. So let's continue with Thomas's email uh, where he speculates. Maybe this season. Oh, yeah? You think? I don't know. Maybe. I think maybe uh, at the very end we get um, the Saldean army showing up or something. But I don't know. They're busy with okay. Taim, so maybe not. They are. All right. Tom continues. I think she is up for being cut, but I hope that Semiraj makes it into the show. I really love how you unambiguously evil she is. Even Grandal has some moral shades to her. Semiraj is just evil and sadistic. She wants to torture you. You're going to die. It's going to be painful, period. And that's exactly yeah. why she's on my list. Yeah. She's got I I and I I mean that scene that had that was like one of the most chilling scenes of all time to me. Rand, Min, and Semiraj. I I mean, that was one of the scenes that sold the Forsaken for me. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think you need that. You need that, like, 
because so many of them being relatable, you need one who's just like, nope, there's no saving that one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Vanquish. Not that she's one note or one dimensional, just that there's no attempt ever to make her sympathetic or likable. Did Leandrin need to have a son? Fair enough. I am also sad about Agenor. Him as the scientist who created all these awful things with the true power is very cool. And then his rebirth and later plotline. Yeah, I think I think that's a good idea. Or or even Grandal or Samaraj, I think, would mm. be fine with that plotline. Uh, even his death at the cleansing is a hilarious moment, one that I relate to. I am not a quiet walker and would probably be similarly terrible <laughs> stalking in nature. Uh, I hope that this role slash story is given to someone else if he doesn't appear. Yeah, I, th- I think we've already already kind of hashed that out. Would love yeah. to hear both your thoughts on who the best or memorable, memorable Forsaken are and who you hope to see in the show or alternatively who you think might be combined into a single character. Well, we we did that without <laughs> without even reading that part. I'm hoping for a Messanerhag where Semerhag is the one controlling the tower as... Uh, in the later books in Masana's role. Semerana? As you can probably tell, the Chosen are some of my favorite characters. Tom S. Yeah, Funny so I Mel. agree with that with that uh, grouping, with that you know pairing of characters, condensing. Yeah. Well, thanks for writing in, Tom. I hope you continue to write in for the White Tower segment. This is a lot of fun to speculate. And uh, yeah, Alicia, uh, Alicia Sadai, thank you for joining me here. Am I am I an Ashaman or am I? Am I mean, I, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but then I don't get to pick an Aja if I'm an Ashaman. Okay. Okay. So so you are John Sadai of which Aja? I think the brown. I got to be brown on this okay. show, right? Okay. I think. I think I. I mean, I don't know. For the longest time, I said I was green, but I think I'm going to go with blue. Okay. All right. I'm with you. All right. Blue and brown work together and we will see you on the next episode. The Lorehounds podcast is produced and published by the Lorehounds. You can send questions, feedback, and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all our episodes at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities.